Hello and welcome to a series of horrors podcast. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff from America. And Jackie, today, what is the movie that we have watched for this week? We have watched Saw 5. Yes, we are past the halfway mark now. We are. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> oh no. Well, not downhill. The home stretch. We're on the home stretch. Okay. That does sound better. That sounds better. Down, <laughs> sounds downhill better. from here, I was just expecting yes. disaster after disaster. That's a negative connotation. It was like, I felt it was, like, it was like going up a hill. Like we just finished going up, right? And then we, we peaked at four, or like hit the middle at four. Then now we drove the happy stroll down, but it didn't, it didn't really come across that way. <laughs> no. And you said not from here on out, you've seen each of these movies three to four times, right? No, less. Two to three times. Two to three um, times. Yeah. Movie theater for all except seven. Seven is the only one I never watched in the theater. For one reason or another, I never saw 3D in the theater. I saw it at home for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then when I bought the Blu-ray with all, with all seven of them, I binged them. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think I've seen them again. So I'm going to just give myself an extra just in case it's a time I don't remember. Okay, fair enough. We're still on your first go around. Never yes. seen these. Never seen these. So fresh takes over here. <laughs> yes. So how's it been for you? So at where we are now, mm-hmm. no ratings yet, but you know, how how's the ride been going? The ride's been up and down, I would say. It definitely actually up and down. So Saw 1, always love it. Saw 2, we dropped down. Then Saw 3, I really enjoyed it. Saw 4, really didn't enjoy it. Yeah. This movie was somewhere in the middle. Okay, so it's, at least we haven't dove down something terrible. No, it wasn't terrible, but I I just started to piece together a lot of the plot right early on main plot points not every single detail obviously i was figuring out what the main trap was for the five victims and how they were mainly supposed to be going through this and i figured out uh the whole back plot of what was going to happen to strom in this one pretty early on oh yeah i guess he was uh, he was gonna be crushed in a in a room not that much (laughs) (laughs) i I figured that he was going to be set up it it seemed very obvious to me that he was getting set up like i'm noticing a theme in these in the saw movies and saw franchise more or less um that i haven't noticed before mainly because i've just been watching them for fun but it's almost as if don't let your um obsessions rule you seems to be like the underlying current of at least these later saw movies because most of the people that are being caught up in these traps or in these games or whatever it's more like hey step back appreciate what you have don't let your passions overtake you like you still have mm-hmm. them and these are still good qualities but too much of a good thing is still bad i'm saying hey, want, like rig in the last movie i want to save people saving people is a good thing to want you're a cop that's kind of the job in the, and supposed to be in the job description don't let that be your downfall like your need and obsession to save people don't let that be what gets you you know mm-hmm. everything in moderation kind of thing it's or i haven't quite found the right words for it yet but it's like of the vibe i started to get near the end of this movie or maybe it's just two movies in a row where the main person you're following around not even well, not, is just like single-minded i would agree brig and strom were kind of similar characters in that way of very single-minded stubborn whatever and being told that every turn take a break take some time both of them i think in both their games it was saying hey if you follow this path you're not gonna like where it leads it could lead to enlightenment or it could lead to your tomb just hey don't do it exactly anyways let's get into the details of this movie so starting off as always better font <laughs> It's, you like it's, this one? I, I liked the last one more than this one. Yeah, but I thought that 
this one had more effects on it almost. So it seemed to me, if we're going back to Saw 1, that would be like a grade 12 film student, first time taking film and editing. They they came up with that font. Then we kind of like upgraded to maybe someone that was actually got into film school <laughs> made that font. And slowly we've been rising. And this last one, it had a lot of effects on it. So it looked like someone that graduated film school perhaps did this font. <laughs> you know, they, they don't have the job yet. This is for their portfolio. Yeah. But they at least they know how to use the tools. They have the full version of the program. Exactly. I think I like the last font better because it had like the that offset background shadow thing that it did in Saw 4. Like it was like Saw 4, then the back off to the side. It was like all four. That was cool. I also appreciated about this font though that it was the backdrop for it was the door to the bathroom. Yes. So that was kind of cool to me. That was cool. Yeah, you're right. They, they put a little bit more thought in. No, I don't know about. Yeah, they put maybe more thought into it. Just try to connect everything. And um, Jackie, since you're in Toronto, you need to show me where the walking tour of the saw traps are. Because uh, apparently Strom takes it. Strom takes the walking tour in this movie. Eventually. We'll get there. But he takes the walking tour of the saw traps. He does. But it's a lot of him showing up inside the building already. <laughs> so I don't know how to locate them. <laughs> but. Darn. But if we find those buildings, will those traps still be there? Be considering in the movie that years have passed. I know. I have that. I have that noted. I'm like, why is this still here? <laughs> <laughs> this was years ago. Why does it still look like it happened recently? This is weird. Yeah. Do we not, do we not clean anything up in Toronto? Is my next question. They're in New Jersey, even though they are <laughs> actually in Toronto filming it. But they're in theory in New Jersey. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, well they don't clean anything up in New Jersey, so yeah, that that would that would hold. That that, would, that does that make that sense for Jersey. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, that part tracks. Uh, for it being Jersey, yeah, it, makes, it tracks. Oh, uh, I forgot to mention that the director of this film is a new one. It's David, and I want to say Hackle, but I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Feels about right to me. Yeah, it's Hack and then an L at the end, so Hackle. Uh, the screenplay is by the same gents that did the first one, Pat- oh, not the first one, the last one, Patrick Milton and Marcus Dunstan. Yeah, and I think Milton came on on the third one with Lee Wano. I think he was the one that worked on it with Lee, I think. I have it written somewhere in these notes, Jeff. I can find that for you. Nope. Lee wrote it by himself, Saw 3. I had other people. All right. When I looked it up, I saw like another name. Hmm. Maybe I missed that in my research, but... This movie, it opens on a yellow warehouse door, and then we cut to inside the warehouse, where a tattooed shirtless man is chained by his neck, arms, and legs to a large metal table. He wakes up and begins crying for help. Yeah, and this this is a very cool, well, cool is the right word, interesting trap. Yeah, I, I literally wrote in my notes, get Jeff to explain the trap. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very, <laughs> wow, all right, it's a very interesting trap. He is um, chained. Well, no, he's tied to a table, like a torture rack kind of table, basically. Uh, on top of him is the pit and the pendulum. Well, not the pit, just the pendulum. And um, tape comes on and says, hey, um, you have cost a life. You've taken, oh, you have the tape, I'm sure. <laughs> so. I do. I have it word for word here. <laughs> so the TV comes on with Billy the Puppet. He says, hi, Seth. Right now, you are feeling helpless. This is the same helplessness you've bestowed onto others. But now, it's onto you. Some call this karma. I call it justice. Now, you have served five years of what should have been a life sentence for murder. A technicality gave you freedom, but it inhibited you from understanding the impact of taking a life. Today, I offer you true freedom. In 30 seconds, the pendulum will will drop far enough to touch your body. Within 60 seconds, it will cut you in half. To avoid the pendulum, all you have to do is destroy the things that have killed your hands. You must insert your hands and push the buttons to start the devices before your bones will be crushed. 
I missed a line. Before you, yeah. I missed. Your, will be dust. your hands will be crusted dust. It's something like that. That line I remember. Yeah, you have to push the buttons to start the devices. I guess bef- uh, the before you is probably before the pendulum hits you. Your bo- And then he explains, your bones will be crushed to dust. Will you destroy the things that have taken life in order to save one, Seth? Make your choice. Go. I love that this says go at the end of the tape. I've never <laughs> never had that with Billy the Puppet before. but With good reason, because they'll go into a couple things here. I love how... Well, I'll explain the trap first, and I'll show you. Then I'll go into what I love. Um, all right, so he's laying down He um, in a minute, but this is no pin, right? The pin doesn't pull out. It just starts on its own, pretty much. And you see the pendulum starts to swing, and he, there's two chambers, as I say, one by either hand he has to pull his hands to push a button and these buttons cause cause a vice to start closing on his hand and supposed to keep it there long enough until his hands are basically are pretty much destroyed the end you get free quote unquote i'm loving this trap because if you pay attention Mm -hmm. to what jigsaw does you can pick out the jigsaw traps and the non-jigsaw traps at this and at this point we have seen a couple traps that were not jigsaw traps and we've seen people like there's no way out not only does it not have a way out, spoiler warning for it, also the point of it was not for the person to learn something and value their lives more. It was as revenge or retribution for something that they had done in their past. The other people, you know, you have squandered something you had, so you have to prove that you value your life by doing X. You have wronged people in the past, so in order to make up for the things you have done and prove that you are worthy of the life that you have, you have to do this. This is like, hey, you killed somebody. Your hands need to be crushed because you hurt somebody with them, so now you have to live without them. That is a really great point that went right over my head. As I'm watching it, I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and it's, wow, this is very interesting. As I, since I've seen it before, I know, spoiler warning, this turns out to be Hoffman's trap. Mm-hmm. And he had copycatted Jigsaw to kill the person that had killed his sister. Yeah. Like, he was an abusive boyfriend he killed her killed her it was his only family so he and he gets out of jail on a technicality which is not this guy's sin it is the the city's sin at that point it is you know mm-hmm. technicality was that that's why he's free not because of something he initiated it's something that was a failure in society a failure in the system a failure and in, in that is what caused him to be on the street instead of in jail where he belongs for the, mm-hmm. for the crime he committed so he didn't do anything in order to say he doesn't value his life even the whole time he's saying it was an accident i didn't mean to do it when you see the pictures you I don't know how you make that's that not an accident. That's not, I don't know, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. But, but the way this trap goes, the, the gentleman in the trap, he does what's asked of him. Mm-hmm. He pushes a button. His hands are crushed. The trap stops. Then it starts up again and kills him. It dives down. Um, the pendulum is swinging. An axe would have made more sense than the cool design they had made for this. Um, apparently this was based on a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. I've never read the story. Yeah, so then it kills him. Um, and he survives pretty long considering his guts are like being scattered amongst the wall as the pendulum is moving. After he's dead, the trap releases him. It does, but first he kind of turns to the side and Seth sees that there's a peephole and he can see somebody watching him. And he says, I did what I was supposed to do. And that's when the collar pops free and he dies. Yeah. At this point, we cut to Strom shooting Jeff from the end of Saw 4. Then he's going around the room. He's checking and seeing all these dead bodies around him. And the door slams shuts behind him and locks as the lights turn out. My question, did they get Amanda for this? Because it looked very much like Amanda. Yeah, I think they just reused the footage from Saw 4 where he first looks at them. They might have got Pink Shirt back too for this one. I'm not sure though. I didn't see Pink Shirt in this one. Yeah, when they're setting up the Saw 2 trap. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. I 
you know me, always my pet in the book when I'm like, oh, okay, this is just, <laughs> I don't need to pay attention to what's happening in the background of the scene. Like Pink Shirt was kind of laid on the ground, staring at the wall or like head towards the wall. So you couldn't really tell Pink Shirt too much, but she did have the Pink Shirt on, that outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, you kind of see him, but you know who they did get because they focused on his face? Frankie is G. The dude. No, Frankie G wasn't in the room apparently because they couldn't get Frankie G. They oh. couldn't get Showgirls. They both were, had, a, had careers actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that turned the key and got shot in the face. That guy, they, they actually, you actually see his face as they pan. <laughs> He's laying on his back, staring up or like uh, looking up. So that the one that's in there the least, he comes back for a little cameo, I guess. Yeah, he was just like, "You only used me for a half hour. <laughs> Can I come back for five minutes?" Anyways, back to Strom. He has no cell phone signal, signal, and it's here that he notices that there is a hidden door outlined in glow-in-the-dark paint in in the tile wall. He kicks it open and finds hanging from a rope a tape recorder. He presses play, and it says, Hello, Agent Strom. If you're hearing this, then you have finally found what you are looking for. But is the discovery of my body enough, or will you... Will your insatiable hunger to uncover the truth push you deeper into the abyss? Heed my warning. Do not proceed. For this room can either be your sanctuary or it can be your grave. The choice is yours. And Strom in every every person in a jigsaw game fashion, John dead body says, fuck you, and keeps it moving. <laughs> Just goes forward down, down the hallway. And I think that hallway... I forgot where it leads to. It leads to bad things. Yeah. Oh, it leads to. Oh, that doesn't show where it leads to. Doesn't he just end up in a tr- in a room and then his head in a, his head in a box? Yeah. So first we see him attacked by Pigface, and yeah. then he wakes up, and his head is locked into a glass box with tubes in it that are connecting to two suspended water cooler jugs filled with water. This was a cool trap. Also, you can tell it's not a jigsaw trap because there was no way out. One. Two. There was no recording. There was no nothing. It was just, hey, you're just stuck. I'm sorry. You're just going to die. Yeah. And what's interesting about this trap, how they built it, etc. The actor was very nervous about being part of this stunt. But so they did a, a test, like a trial of the trap before he was in it. And apparently it went very poorly. <laughs> So he was even more nervous about this. So what had to happen was they took several different takes and anytime that he would begin to panic, he would motion for them and they would have to lift the walls of the trap so the water would drain. Makes sense. I'm pretty calm underwater, um, but still, that would make me nervous, I would think, I would say. That is a feeling I don't want to imagine, just just sitting there, there's a... I can understand his trepidation. Uh, For example, it's a later film, but the film Now You See Me, the magician one. There's uh-huh. a, a stunt that, what's her name? Eliza Fisher or something? What's, I forget. Ilsa? Ilsa? Whatever. So. Uh, she's, Mrs. Borat. I call her Mrs. Borat. Mrs. Borat, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in this uh, water trap and she's chained in it and she's supposed to escape because she's a magician and there's it's supposed to be like a fake chain like it was supposed to break away. It didn't break away. She was actually drowning and panicking and they're just like, oh, she's doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Like when they were filming the movie, this happened. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, she's doing a great job pretending that like she's drowning and like whatever." And then they're like, "This is going on for a while." Oh my god, she's actually drowning! Whenever I see these things, I think of the Prestige. Uh, have you seen it? Uh, is that the Christian Bale one? Christian Bale, yeah, Christian mm-hmm. Bale's in it. And it's a Christopher Nolan one with the magician. Also about magicians because they do the same trick uh, illusion in that movie. Yeah, I saw the other one that came out at the time, The Illusionist. Um, 
the not good one. Yeah, there were, you had a choice to make, and like uh, you made the wrong one. Uh, you had well, to, because you had Billy the Puppet show up to you in the movie theater. Which <laughs> is yours? I didn't. I was not a fan of Christian Bale, and uh, I was a fan of Ed Norton as uh. and Jessica Biel. I also liked at the time because of Seventh Heaven and Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes. So. She did really good at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I got it. Mm-hmm. Illusionist. I saw that one. Terrible magician. I mean, uh, The Prestige. Amazing. It is. That's what everyone told me, but I was like, uh, after seeing that movie, I'm just done with the magicians for a while. <laughs> Don't blame me. Yeah, I saw them the other way around because I, I had also had the choice to see both. I just the prestige called out to me like, oh, Scarlett Johansson, oh, um, the other girl that I like, uh, the, the British one that I can't remember her name. Fate, her name escapes me now. Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, um, Gollum is in it. Oh, David Bowie's in it. What? Okay, I do have to see this film. Clearly, all I gotta say is David Bowie playing Nikola Tesla. Yeah, that's all that's- you needed to say was that david bowie's in it <laughs> so sir michael kane is in it you know it's like it's yeah <laughs> it's one of david bowie's last movies when he passed away i immediately put on labyrinth and just cried to myself <laughs> you happen do you happen to know what david bowie's last film credit was what? or is it is his movie it is a teen movie called band slam oh my gosh he was in band slam <laughs> He he has a cameo all the way at the end because the, the the kid is obsessed with him. He's just says Dave Boy the whole movie. He says Dave Boy this, Dave Boy that, and then at, all the way at the end he gets he gets like a call from him or something, a letter in the mail from Dave Boy, and they get him for that. And that happens to be his last his last film role. Aww, that's slightly endearing. Where are we? Oh yeah, so Strom is searching for his gun, his cell phone, whatever, and he sees that they're on a barrel out of reach. The device starts on its own. There's no tape as we mentioned, and it just starts pouring water into the box around his head. And then he starts looking in his pockets again. He finds a pen and he gives himself a tracheotomy. And that's like the hole through the throat. And he starts breathing through the pen. Can't say I would have thought of that in that that situation. Me me neither. I would have just drowned probably. Did he try to pull the tubes out before they started filling? Did he even attempt that? I think he could have reached them. I think they were on top of the box. Yeah, he he is like trying to hit the box and push it, pull it up. And he didn't, his hands didn't go up that high, but I don't think they would have been able to reach anyway. That's fair. After that, it cuts to, um... Hoffman carrying the little girl. Yeah, we cut to the tactical team. They're arriving at the Gideon warehouse and Hoffman's walking out with uh, Jeff and Lynn's daughter. And she's holding that stuffed animal that I mentioned. Yep. <laughs> you beat me too, but I was going to say because I was looking for it. She was holding the stuffed animal. So you called it two movies ago. I did. No, that was last movie. Was it last movie? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's all it's all blend. Yeah, she goes missing in two movies ago. Yeah, she went mo- missing two movies ago and it was in the last movie that Perez asked him if he had a daughter or a son and he said a daughter and he was holding that stuffed animal meanwhile she's asking where's my dad where's my mom and uh hoff says to her that her dad's going to be okay i think i thought he said you're gonna be okay no he said he's gonna be okay oh then that was a lie (laughs) considering the circumstances i don't blame him too much you know this isn't the time for that she'll find out she'll find that the soul crushing news eventually you could have just not said anything. <laughs> like That is another way to go. Try to give her some kind of comfort, maybe. I thought that was what the stuffed animal was for. But Detective No Name, as I call him, but we find out that he's Fisk afterwards. But in my note here, he's Detective No Name from Saw 4. Is asking what the fuck happened. Where's Rig? And Hoff says he tried to help, but he didn't make it. Nobody made it. But then an EMT starts saying, we have stuff. We Go we ahead. got a live one here. Yeah, a live one. <laughs> exactly. And we see Strom being put into an ambulance and Hoff is looking at him slightly shocked and concerned. I'm starting to think, does it feel like Hoff was kind of was um doing the, the events in this movie on the fly considering this guy survived the head trap? Yeah, a bit. 
But also, John had that trap already set up, the glass coffin one. So I'm not, I don't know who that was intended for, if it wasn't intended for Strom. Not sure. I don't know. Maybe got repurposed, but the way these movies are, are going, I'm sure they'll let us know in the next two. And I sh- don't remember right now off the top of my head. Fair enough. Uh, we then cut to a older woman reading a magazine with John's face on the cover. It says "Death of Jigsaw." The and uh, inside the article, there is a picture of John and a picture of Jill. And the woman reading the article spots that Jill is sitting in the waiting room right across from her. <laughs> And she does the most subtle thing in the world, like nudge her husband as hard as she possibly can so that Jill sees them. <laughs> Do everything but point at her with her finger. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would totally be me, except with me and my friends, it's the soft touching of a hand and then a lot of eye movements. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> that would have been better. She was just like, hit, elbow, elbow, elbow. Look, basically telling him, look over there. Look, it's the girl from this magazine. <laughs> Oh, uh, the secretary calls Jill to go in and there's a man. He introduces himself as Mr. Feldman. He was John's estate lawyer. He was told to contact Jill in the event of John's death. And he was surprised to find out that John was Jigsaw. I guess he's got to watch the news or read newspapers or magazines or anything. Because if we've learned anything in these last two movies, it's been a full media blast as to who Jigsaw was. Yeah, exactly. The magazine in his waiting room <laughs> <laughs> is about John. Like... I had no idea. This is crazy. Who would have thought it? But he says that John left something for her and he opens an envelope with a VHS tape in it and he starts playing it. And this, the delivery of this to bring John back into this movie reminded me very much of how they shoehorn Jamie Kennedy into Scream 4 or 3 rather. If you're watching this, I'm dead. (laughs) You could tell because, yeah, Scream 3, they really like, we shouldn't have killed Jamie Kennedy in Scream 2. Yeah, exactly. So... He says, if you're watching this, Jill, I'm long gone from this world. You are my heart. You always have been. You always will be. And Jill's going between looking incredulous and also smiling in a way to me that looks knowingly as opposed to affectionate. Like, it's too smirky again. Maybe Lee was on set that day. and He was like, listen, we, we can't give you snark. We can't give you <laughs> sassy lines. But we can, you can have a smirky look. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> And then the tape continues. I'm not going to try to explain my actions as of late. Suffice to say that I find it difficult to forgive myself for what happened at the clinic. I permitted, indeed encouraged, your decisions regarding the people there. And this really pissed me off with the misogyny. (laughs) That could have been worded differently. Yeah, like, you wouldn't have done this without my permission. (laughs) Okay, buddy. She has her own career. She became a doctor all on her fucking own. She can make her own decisions. As the gentleman here, as the guy here, I took it as, man, I, I saw you were in a bad neighborhood and bad things. I should have maybe pushed for you to hire better security or or a security guard because there was nothing there but her. Apparently, she she's a doctor without nurses. It was just her and a bunch of crack addicts and drug dealers or whatever. But um, in this clinic. John was too bad at least spending all his money on 10,000 different warehouses. So he exactly. couldn't help her <laughs> with the funds. Like somebody was just knocking his door. There's a warehouse available. Another one? Yes. Must get the warehouses. <laughs> Must catch them all. He's gonna be the very best. In a way, he was. Uh, so Jill's kind of breaking down as this is continuing. John saying, I saw danger and I, I should have acted sooner. I'm leaving you a box today and its contents are grave of grave importance. Even though you and I don't always see eye to eye on everything, 
I deeply believe in you and believe that you will know what to do with these materials. And the tape cuts out. Feldman brings out this black fireproof box and Jill takes a key from around her neck to open it. And (laughs) the lawyer's looking at her like, what the actual fuck? You must be in on this murder. I love the way she opens the box. She pulls the key out from around her neck, which seems to be the same keys that have been getting used from around people's necks throughout the series. Because that seems to be a similar key that like Perez had last movie and I think Jeff was carrying around in the third movie. Oh, fourth. Yeah, third movie. Um, I love the way she slowly opens the box. Very nice looking box. Nice looking lock on it. Everything very cool. Very, very fancy. And he's wearing the red silk robe in this. Yes, he is. In the videotape, by the way. She opens it up. Knowing look, closes. They don't show what's in the box. Yeah, exactly. And then we cut to a police press conference. They're saying that the Jigsaw murders are over. And I'm saying, yeah, fucking right. (laughs) As a cop, I would say, hey, we know this is the Jigsaw because we know. And now he's dead. Ergo, this should be over. But, I can I can see why they could do a mission accomplished banner on this one. Yes, but they're sadly mistaken. Oh yes, they are honoring the all the officers who gave their lives to this case. They have pictures of Singh and Pat, or AKA Detective Danny. They also say they're honoring the detective that was on the case from the start, Hoff. And I have questions that come up later based on a document. He was not the detective that was on this case from the start. The detective that's been on this case from the start, the only one, is Fisk. So they are promoting Detective Hoffman to Detective Lieutenant, or Lieutenant, as we say here in Canada. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, I know I, that, that's, that's a new one to me. Right? I had no idea. Yes, it's the proper pronunciation of what looks lieutenant. like it should be Lieutenant. No, it is the Lieutenant. Lieutenant, all right. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard it before, but I, I just thought it was eh, that's just um, something else. I thought it was a different rank or like a different thing, or just somebody pronouncing it weird. All right, fine. No. No, I learned, I learned something. <laughs> we get a close up now on the pictures of what I call Hoff's victims. It's Detective Dizzy, Rig, and Donnie. Well, Dizzy could have been Amanda's victim. Yeah, but she needed the help in getting Dizzy up on that thing, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So unless he was right about the pulley system and they just didn't want to listen to him. <laughs> no, I think he helped. But yeah, probably. Hoff is saying we've learned every day life should be cherished, and I question. There is a room full of detectives here. How do they not go? Hmm, that's a jigsaw line. <laughs> Why is he saying that? He also says justice is the backbone to every peaceful society and i believe that justice has been served and we all know he's not talking about the justice of jigsaw dying he's talking about everyone else's death because they used him to clean out the dirty cops in the department apparently even though trap looked like he was a good cop and sing as well and 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 detective dizzy also uh, eric matthews and rig could be cloudy Mur- the, the water's murky when it comes to them i would say that detective matthews slash detective donnie was not a great cop whereas rig it, that was murky that was he he had a moment of complete aggression against a suspect who was harming children which i think all of us would have been outraged by but he became overcome by his emotions there but otherwise, I don't think that he was a evil or bad cop like Detective Matthews was. Yeah, I just keep on going back to Saw 2 where Rig is like, just, let's just beat him up. Oh, yeah, that's true. Rig does say that. <laughs> All right, Carrie, why, why are we talking to this man? Let's just let's go in the back and take care of this our way, the Canadian way. Let's do this. We then cut to Hoff's office. We see that there's a news clipping on his bulletin board about him surviving a Jigsaw's death. He then pulls an envelope addressed to him from underneath his, his keyboard. And the note inside of it says, 
says, I know who you are. And I noted, and I know what you did last summer. <laughs> I figured you'd say it. I, I, that's why I stopped, I stopped myself <laughs> the whole time. Is, aren't those notes written the same? And I know what you did last summer. Like same exactly. kind of like, Sharpie. <laughs> writing these notes yeah on a plain white card yep so he then goes to the evidence locker pulls out strong's cell phone and something else oh he got a call from the hospital about perez so then we cut to the hospital so this is where I started to put together that he's going to frame Strom. That became very apparent. Like, there's no reason for him to take his cell phone unless he's going to use it to frame him. Makes sense. So at that point, I knew that plot line already. <laughs> but the plan is very, very saw intricately. Like, Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, I didn't know every detail, but I knew what was happening overall. And I knew that that was going, like... You knew where it was going to go, you just didn't know how it was going to get there. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I already know <laughs> what all the flashbacks are going to be, because then you just pay extra close attention to each bit of it, and you're like, ah, yep, I see how this is going to come back to bite him <laughs> each time. But anyways, uh, we cut to the hospital. There is a bloody and empty hospital bed. Strom is sitting beside it. He is recalling the incident with Billy the Puppet the doll and Perez being exploded on. Okay, that's not right. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that. Know, like, the Billy Puppet had ex- kind of exploded or shot her with shrapnel in a way yeah. and then it killed her. I just think, I don't think she was meant to die. I think they couldn't get her back for whatever reason. That's what I assume is that they couldn't get this actress back for whatever reason it was and they were like, okay, we don't need her for this plot. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think yeah, I don't think she was meant to die here because if she was, she just would have died in the last movie the same, you know, same thing. <laughs> it would have been more immediate. That hospital didn't look like a hospital to me. I don't know what it looked like to me, but it didn't have a hospital vibe to me. So where they currently are? Yeah, like the hospital where Perez is and where um, Strom also is because of the tricky tricheotomy he gave himself. The hospital set from Saw 1 was more convincing. Yeah, this one didn't look like a hospital at all to me. I don't know what it looked like to me, but not a hospital. It was just... I was getting like, I don't know, like office vibes, like old school office like school orphanage vibes. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like those, like ward, those kind of wards. Mm-hmm. I think like an, I've been in old hospitals from when I was little and didn't give me those, that look. I don't know. Yeah. And the hallways too were not very hospital like that led to the room. But, anyways, Hoff arrives. He's apologizing. Uh, he says that he's truly sorry for Perez's death. Strom says that her last words were his name, Detective Hoffman. That I didn't remember at all. Mm-hmm. He goes, Why? Why would those be her last words? How did you walk out of that building? And this is where I noticed that they keep cutting away from Strom when he was talking. And then when they first finally cut to his face when he's talking, the sync is off on his audio, which made me look things up. They did all of his audio in post because on set, he didn't do the raspy voice that he should have for yeah. a, someone that had a tricky out of me. Yeah. So they had to redo it, everything? Yeah, they redid everything. And to think, I was about to give him credit. I'm like, wow, this guy was so good. He did, he kept up the raspy voice the rest of the movie, considering he would have had that, considering it was... And it ruined it. He's been ruined. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had to spoil that for you. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm not, I don't want to give credit where it's not due, and it's not due. Just like in The Exorcist, do not credit Linda Blair with the possessed voice. That was not her. As um, Jigsaw says later, man, he doesn't want to take credit for shoddy work. So, hey, that's what it is. Exactly. Uh, Hoff says, how did you get out? And Strom is like on a fucking gurney with a fucking <laughs> hole in my throat, bitch. Like, <laughs> what? what the hell are you thinking? 
And basically is saying, like, you came out with just a couple scratches and a story about how the arm straps broke on your trap. Jigsaw doesn't make mistakes. And I have in brackets, not since Cecil. <laughs> not since Cecil. Yeah. But then again, it was a dry run. He he hadn't gotten his planning 100% done yet. So yeah. and he learned from it. That's fair. My note is Hoff starts gaslighting Strom, saying that Jigsaw's dead. Etc. Strom saying that he's not talking about him, he's talking about you and the Hoff's whole crooked department, which is a fair claim against his department because honestly, <laughs> there's a lot of crooked cops. See, this is Strom goes to 11 in Saw 4 and stays at 11. Mm-hmm. All of Saw 5. Yeah. And he got there. Now, you, at least you see why he's at 11. But in this movie, you see somebody that starts at 11 and then tones down as the movie goes through. Who? Oh, uh, I call him Clean Cut. That's what you call him? Yeah. Well, yeah, the guy in the trap. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't think they ever say who what his name is. No. Actually, you don't know any of their names. No. So I gave... Well, we know one's Charlie at the end. We find out his name, the reporter. Or Charles. Sorry. Not Charlie. Anyways, but... Yeah, I gave them all names. We'll get to that. Hoff <laughs> uh, says that he's been chasing Jigsaw from the beginning. Um, so unless you got something else to say, back the fuck off. Read the paper. I saved that little girl. Which actually makes his point less valid mm-hmm. than what he wanted. He wanted something badass like, read the paper. I'm the hero, damn it. And like, no, that this makes it worse. It just kind of cements me to me that you're in on it. We then cut to uh, FBI director, I think. Erickson? Sure. I, I don't know what his title is, but he's in charge of Strom, at the very least. Yeah, yeah he is. Strom supervisor is all I got yeah. out of that whole. And, they, and her secretary is like a Perez, like, Pre, like Perez's sister, I guess, because they look similar. Oh, the uh, like secretary? Secretary, tech girl, mm-hmm. like the only other person that works in the FBI office, apparently. Yeah, that's what I, I didn't write it down, but I did notice there's no one that works for the FBI except for these two people. <laughs> that's it. Like the only other employee, like whenever they call the FBI, it's her. Whenever they need something else walking around, it's her. I'm like, all right, hey, we, at least you got three employees. Oh, uh, but Erickson, as we mentioned before, he's telling Strom that he should be resting. He needs to be put on medical leave. Uh, he should have died in that trap and that he never should have gone in without backup. Which I agree with. Yeah, which is eerily similar with the, that that was um, rigged stuff. Like, hey, don't go in, don't barge in unchecked doors. Hey, you've gone through a lot. All your friends are dead. Take vacation, spend time with your wife, mm-hmm. finish the remodel in the house. You know, same things. Hey, I put you on medical leave because you're not okay. Which, with more reason, he's more not okay. He does have a hole in his throat. Mm-hmm, exactly. But Sean wants to talk to Jill one last time, and I don't know for what. Yeah, I don't. I guess he thinks that she's still connected, and I think she's still connected. But anyway. Uh, uh, this is where Erickson, Erickson tells him that he is off the case and he hands him over his papers. Uh, says that there are over a dozen bodies at the scene, two were cops. And I, I paused here and went, at the scene, there were over a dozen bodies and started counting. <laughs> there were only 10 bodies at the scene. There was Danica. There was the judge. There was Timothy. There was Jeff. There was Lynn. There was Jigsaw. There was Amanda. There was Art. There was Donnie. There was Rig. That is 10. There were four other bodies at different scenes. My whole thing with that, I didn't count, but yes, you're right. And two, the director or his boss acting like he put them there. Like they were mm-hmm. there because of something he did. How did, how did Strom account for these 10 dead bodies and to the point where he needs to be pulled off the case? Yeah, exactly. Besides everybody being allergic to backup, there is nothing that's happened. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
in these movies, in this, in any movies that the tent, the dead bodies in that room were Strom's fault in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I understand pulling off the case because he has to go on medical leave. That makes sense. All right, fine. You got a holding throat, mate. You might be too close to it. You're too raw, emotional wise, whatever. Okay, that makes sense. But it's your fault. We have all these dead bodies because you didn't do what? What, what, did, he, what did he not do? He does have one line that says that he like Jigsaw's dead or whatever and by uh, Strom endangering yourself and others is what he says and that's why you're off the case. But he didn't. Or I don't see, if he did I don't see it. Other than endangering himself? Himself yes. Like himself all day but everybody else that was dead or even the people that got out um, which is just Hoffman they got there on their own yeah. without without Strom helping or hurting or anything Strom would have done different would have would have they still would have been there regardless exactly so it was just this is this is the angry boss pulling off the case in order for the movie to happen yep pretty much there's no other reason for it to be happy other than like he does legitimately need medical leave so if it was like we need to pull you off the case because we need you to heal up thus so and so is going to be taking over the case for now perfect that would make sense but that would make perfect sense and the movie still continues because mm-hmm. he's not going to let it go because that's his problem and fine whatever but not the whole all it does is put suspicion on him mm-hmm. when he doesn't let it go yeah exactly but right now we cut back to Hoff and he's in another little shop of horrors in one of the many warehouses that Jigsaw has so he's he has a collection you gotta catch him all yeah if he gets all four railroads he gets a bonus it's kind of how it works <laughs> he just needs to get boardwalk and then we're solid just need to get it. I'm never gonna but I just need to get it <laughs> Uh, it's here that he removes one of those beautiful velvety sheets from a bunch of mini models of trap rooms and a set of monitors that have a video feed showing us the actual traps. And I wrote a Charlie Day type string board <laughs> in the background. Oh, man. Always suddenly really cemented it. But the, those string, red string boards predate him. Like, I've seen these since I was little, like in detective movies. I never understood what the reason of them for always ever was. But man. Yeah, no, they're a, a staple in every single detective movie, of course. But it's just how insane Charlie Day is. <laughs> about it and it being innocuous stuff that makes it funny now so, i'll tell you yeah. i should put one up in this room like in my in my little pod recording area just have a little attach all the movie t- and posters with red string <laughs> like between exactly. them. red string corkboard people walk in just what's going on and just have little posters like what's the connection <laughs> <laughs> i i'm running out of time you know those little little things i love it please do that and send us pictures <laughs> But the model in this one is today's trap or today's game. Mm-hmm. So we cut to what we see on the monitors. And what do we see on the monitors, Jeff? We see... All right, before I get to that, this is pretty cool. Uh, not pretty cool. This has made me laugh a little bit. Mm. Um, you see uh, Hoffman looking at the monitors, seeing everybody uh, with chains to their necks, passed out still from whatever uh, happy juice is in the syringes <laughs> that they give everyone yeah. in these movies. And then he goes over to the model and adjusts the little dolls mm-hmm. so that they're in the position that he sees them in. Oh. In, the, in, in the video. And I found that it tickled me a little bit. What you see here? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and then it cuts to inside the um, into inside the room, mm-hmm. which it seems to be, it looks very similar to like, a sh- like one of these public showers or like a locker room shower kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's the vibe I got out of it. So, and you see is five of them yeah um there's the three ladies oh see look there's more girls this time the, mm-hmm. the three uh, ladies and two guys that change their necks um passed out boxes i want to say maybe 10 feet in front of them with key with one key for each of them 
they start waking up. And then as one of them looks up and the blonde girl, she was taking notes at the press conference, wasn't she? Mm, I don't think so, because they say she was a fire inspector. Yeah, no, but they focused on this one lady taking notes. And it looks to me like the girl that was in this one. But huh. not like it doesn't matter too much now. But I did not notice that. But she just got called Blondie in my notes. Yeah, Blondie looked like the blonde that was taking notes earlier in the press conference. But I wasn't can't remember offhand now if it was her or not. And But it looked close enough. They look like, um, they, she looks like the girl in Iron Man. Um, Iron Man 1, the reporter in Iron Man, <laughs> she looks like to me. But, um, so anyway, uh, there's, they're, they're like cables more than chains. They're like cabled up all together. And on top of the cable, there's, looks like the, a guillotine pretty much. Um, except chained to the wall or up on the wall. Did you notice they were all in V shapes, which is the Roman symbol for five? I noticed the V shape, but didn't put two and two together. I just thought, hey, that would be an easier way to cut their heads up. Mm. Is what is what it is. What I thought, not that they were the five thing, but that does make sense and fit with the theme of how these movies go. So yeah, it all works. So and there's pulleys. I think we mentioned attaching all of the cords or wires together. Yes, and this is my favorite part. Well, I've, I've been having many favorite parts. This I love because it's the first time this happens in any of these five movies. As they wake up, Mr. Smarty Pants, um, he is the only person in any of these movies that says, hey, don't move. Why? You're an idiot. I should move. No, because there's a pin here, and it's connected to all five strings, and we're all connected to it. Once, once one of us moves, that pin's going to move out, and then... Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I really love that he calls that out. Also, um, Blondie also mentions it as well. I wrote down that there's a metal door on one side of the room and a clock on the other. The man with the beard, so beardy from now on in my notes, (laughs) is waking up. Then Linda Jackson from Anchorman. She wakes up. I keep. I, she's from. She's in Shazam. So I keep on thinking of her in Shazam. So I just love her in Anchorman. So I was like, ah, never seen an, never seen Anchorman. What What are you doing with your life, Jeff? All right, I'm. A, I'm gonna say something here that might lose me uh, friends and family. Um, <laughs> and I hope we can continue the podcast. You have you knowing this information about? Okay. Me. Okay. I don't think Will Ferrell's funny. That is completely fair, and I would agree with you in most of his movies. But Anchorman is a fucking gem. <laughs> <laughs> so just it being a Will Ferrell movie, I'm just like, ah, I don't like him. Like he just he seems to no, I don't think I don't see him as funny. I agree with you most of the time, but Anchorman is a gem. So are his funnier die skits with his daughter. I've seen those. <laughs> Not because he's funny, but because of her. Yeah, because the little girl, yeah, little girl's cursing and stuff. <laughs> you pay that. now, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, seen those. I like them. Don't the, the where I do like him is the SNL um, Jeopardy skits when he's Alex Trebek. Those are kind of like he's a good straight man. I just don't like him when he's being over the top. That is fair, but I do recommend Anchorman. Anchorman Two is meh by comparison to Anchorman One, but there are so many quotable moments from Anchorman One. Really recommend. So I think uh, Talladega Nights was my jumping off moment. Like I saw that movie, I was like, oh no, 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 you don't need to see that. <laughs> no, yeah, too late. Yeah. Even though I did like the what this I did like one Will Ferrell movie. This is probably another one I like that like it's not coming to mind right now. The one where like he's in a story and the author's trying to kill. Oh, him. I love Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. I can't remember the title of it. Yes, yes. that movie I like. It's he's not being Will Ferrell really in that, which is probably why I liked it. Like when he's trying to act, I liked him in the Lego Movie. He did fine, you know. I also like Elf. Elf. Um. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> can't can't get down with Elf. Elf grew on me like a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the first time I saw it in theaters, I thought it was the dumbest shit I'd ever seen. And then every holiday, somebody would put it on, and eventually it just became a holiday movie that I like to watch. 
I watch Will Ferrell movies with like amazement as to what I don't see what people see. Like, I don't see it. Like I'm trying to figure it out. Like I'm looking at it like I don't get it. Yeah. Like is there a joke I'm missing? I don't. So and I'm looking at other people that are dying in laughter, and I'm looking at this movie like I don't. I completely understand. And I've, I'm usually that person in the room that All right. just doesn't get it. Uh, have you seen Black AF? I have not. Okay, so it's a show on Netflix and there's one episode. So the the premise is it's this guy who is this TV producer. Uh, he did Blackish, Mixedish, whatever. Like he's the producer for all of that. And so he goes to see this Black film and everyone in the theater is fucking killing themselves and him and his daughter who are both like like the daughter's aspiring to be a film student and he's a film producer they're both sitting there like we don't we don't understand and then they leave the theater and everyone's just like no it was so funny it was so great and they're like is everyone stupid i don't understand (laughs) and they're so frustrated for the entire episode just trying to understand and then they start showing it to other people and uh the other people are always like yeah that was so hilarious and they're like what how i don't get it yeah i tend to be i tend to get things i'm i'm just looking at i don't see what you see i just don't see it so i don't know that's me that's me with feral and ben uh, ben stiller sometimes even though i love definitely yeah ben stiller is very hit or miss i did not watch zoolander 2 i did not need to I, wa- I watched like 10 minutes of Zoolander 1. I checked. I'm like, I know this movie This movie's going to be this joke for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Check it out. If I hadn't <laughs> seen it as a child, I wouldn't like it. Oh, yeah. I was already grown when that movie came out. Yeah. It- when I saw 40-Year-Old Virgin was the same thing for me. It was like uh, so many great things about it. When I watched them, oh, they have one joke and they just repeat it uh-huh. for an hour and a half. Okay. I get it. He's a virgin. That's the t- it's in the title. I, I, like, I, like it's there. I knew this coming in. Why is it still a joke? <laughs> All right, it's been an hour. You're st- it's still the joke? Okay, fine. All right. He hasn't been with anybody. He's 40. I, I, yep, been there. Get it. Did Get not it. like that movie at all, except for the waxing scene where he's screaming Kelly Clarkson. And I'm like, why? Yeah, that, has nothing, that has nothing to That's the only other joke that has nothing to do with the title of the movie. Yeah. Because that could have been in another movie. Just anything but yeah back to this movie again. <laughs> this has been a random tangent. You're welcome. Yeah, we break up the tension with these tangents. It works. <laughs> so Linda Jackson from Anchorman is waking up and she starts pulling at the collar. And that's when Blondie tells her that she shouldn't move. And then the dude that's clean cut in my notes, uh, we later find out that he's a junkie. But he, my first note was that he was clean cut compared to Beardy. So <laughs> clean cut says, it's Jigsaw. I knew this was going to happen to me. I don't know how he knew, but fine. Just, right? Like, he's just like, I've been a shitty person. I knew this would catch up to me eventually. And he's the one guy that, didn't, that shouldn't have been there. Why? Well, by the end, but he's the only one that seems to be showing any kind of contrition for his part in it. Sure, but he's still like, we'll get to it. He's at 11 right now. Mm-hmm. He mellows out and you see him, why he's tweaked out and probably, he's probably still coming down, down from his high, I guess. Probably. Uh, Darla from Buffy or Rita from Dexter, depending on who you are. I watched Buffy. So she's Darla. I watched Dexter. So that was Rita. Yeah, that was Rita. I had no idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that it's not Jigsaw. He's dead. Haven't you watched the TV lately? Linda says, whoever it is, they're watching us and points to the camera. Yeah, because considering the camera looked brand new and the rest, nothing else in that room did. So easy to find. And Darla says it's probably to make sure that they follow the rules. This is where Beardy tells Clean Cut and all of them that they need to be careful. Like, don't move, whatever, because you'll trip the trap. And we don't want to do that until we know how this thing works. And on cue, the TV turns on. And everything they need to know is in this tape. Like everybody else, they don't listen. So tape time. 
Tape time. From birth, you've all been given the advantage, the advantages of few others. Yet, through poor moral decisions, you've used these advantages to selfishly further only yourselves at the expense of others. Well, today, this singular way of thinking will be put to the test. Today, five will become one. And then when they said this, I just automatically remembered the Spice Girl song, like, I need somebody <laughs> like I never need enough. I want to make love to you. Baby. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like, don't they say five to one or two or four to one? They say something like that. In that they, song, don't when they? to become one. <laughs> I, actually, that was a cool video in the snow and stuff. I, thought it was a cool video. I wasn't a big fan of the Spice Girls back then, but that's the song I actually liked at the time. I was six years old, so I was a fan. I had a Spice Girls yeah. birthday party. <laughs> oh, man. Pictures or it didn't happen. We need to. Um, I'm <laughs> sure that we do have pictures somewhere, but I don't know if I want to release those. They remain in the vault. I get it. Yep. No problem. Uh, the tape continues. With a common goal of survival, you're all connected to a cable that runs through your collar devices. It can be pulled so tight that you will be decapitated on the mounted razors. The only way to remove the collar is with the keys from the glass boxes on the pedestals before you. However, if one of you moves to retrieve a key, the 60-second timer will begin for you all. In choosing how to react to this situation, your lifelong instincts will tell you to do one thing, but I implore you to do the opposite. Let the games begin. And then the timer with 15 minutes starts to count down. Beauty immediately says someone has to die. <laughs> immediately. No if answer was like, somebody gotta go now. And so they waste no time in, in going to where they think. And in these traps or in this game, for the first time, um, there is no dilly-dallying around in, in these rooms. Because on top of everything else, them being decapitated, each room has bombs in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Linda says that they should just stay still because it's said to do the opposite of your instincts. And Beardy says that the timer, the 15-minute timer, is connected to bombs. Uh, well, he says the jars filled with nails beside the glass ca cases. And Blondie says they're homemade bombs. And Clean Cut wants to know how she knows that. Beardy supplies the information saying that she was a fire inspector. But he won't say how he knows this. All right. I have questions about this whole in exchange uh, the characters are having. Because the video says we're connected. We should figure out how, why, how we're connected and why are we all here. And they obviously go to Beardy Man. Since he's the one that happens to have information. Mm -hmm. And when pressed on, he goes, well, this is a game. And the less we know about each other, the better. Don't understand the logic leap that that takes. Yeah. I don't know. Beardy's sketchy. Yeah. And everybody's real sketchy about their past. Nobody wants to say anything about themselves. But Linda's trying to figure out. She says, okay, it says that we were born with advantages. So we're all for money. And Beardy and Blondie are like, fuck you. No, we aren't. <laughs> like, no, we're not. But there's other. So now I wonder what their advantages from, from birth was. Maybe Beardy is smart and Blondie is blonde. I don't know. I don't know what her advantage is. He likes to say this. Remember Troy, where we were like, what were his advantages? He spent most of his life in prison. Like <laughs> Exactly. His advantages, he knows how to get around the yard. That's his advantage in life. He knows how to, how to use things in jail. Maybe he was like Red in Shawshank. He knew how to get stuff into the jail uh, I don't, maybe that could be an advantage <laughs> i just put together that from orange is the new black red was a reference to shawshank oops okay anyways 
Beardy says that the less they know about each other, the better. But then he rolls up Clean Cut's sleeve to reveal that he is burnt and has, what do you call it, needle marks on his arm. Which, with the amount of his arm being burnt, I don't think I would have noticed needle marks. Yeah, I had to freeze it. Like, I paused it to be like, okay, what is happening here? What are they revealing with his arm? Because it was such a quick cut. And I've mentioned before, I do not have the best eyesight nor the best TV. (laughs) So I go walking up to my TV to inspect and I'm like, oh, he has two puncture marks by his elbow. And then that looks kind of like a burn. Cool. Yeah, but later when um when they show more of his arm, that burn on his, on his arm looks very third degree, like very bad. So I think needle marks would wouldn't really be showing up too clear from from a distance. Yeah, it it was definitely because I came up close that I was able to see it. So then they get to arguing and clean cut with the burn on him. I said, "Fuck you guys! I'm going to I'm going for the key." And he does. Beardy does say a throwaway, what seems like a throwaway comment of playing with matches again to Clean Cut, but then Clean Cut's like, fuck you guys, and goes running. See, at the time, even though I didn't remember their backstories, I was like, this is not a throwaway line, because the way he delivers is way too smarmy, like to get at him, like, oh, playing with matches, like, he knows why he's burnt up. And plus, they kind of laid that down when he knew that she was a... Fire inspector. Yeah, I was about to say health inspector. I'm like, no, not a health inspector. Everything is something in these movies. (laughs) That's why I have 30 pages of notes. (laughs) Since you have a notebook, I'm going to assume you're going to retire this notebook when we finish these Saw movies out because there will be no more pages left. (laughs) That is quite the possibility. I thought this was going to last me for a couple seasons, but it might be notebook per season. (laughs) I don't think everything we talk about is going to be this intricately woven as Saw. Saw is very very rare in that. Nobody says anything for no reason. Exactly. And that's why I write down everything. (laughs) I don't think when we get to one of these other movies that somebody saying something later is going to be, wait, that's going to come back two movies from now. Let's write this down. (laughs) Exactly. Um, While Clean Cut is running for the key, Beardy clotheslines him with the wire and he goes like flying back. Because he goes for the key first. Yeah. Beardy goes for the key instead first. So every time that somebody runs forward, everyone else gets kind of pulled back. Each of them, one by one, goes running up towards the boxes. Linda's second, uh, Darla's third. Then uh, Clean Cut goes, and Blondie's trying to go at the same time as Clean Cut. It's getting really close to the end of the clock, but Clean Cut kicks open his box, which makes the key like fall forwards instead. So then he has to go even further forwards, and by doing that, Blondie gets pulled way back. And then um, time runs out for Blondie. She tries to make it, doesn't quite make it there in time. Uh, I guess the winch or whatever the cable's kind of to engages, and everything gets pulled back. Her head plops off her head. Head plops off her head? <laughs> yes, her head plops off her body. Yes. Or, or, off her neck. That, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> Uh, everyone's kind of freaking out, but Beardy tells them that they need to move on. Him and Linda get up and go. Darla goes back for the key from her lock, and then she takes the key, clean cuts key as well as Blondie's key. Well, she takes all the keys. All um, of them? Because she goes, yeah, she goes, yeah, she gets all of them. She gets Blondie's key. She keeps hers, and the other keys were still in the lock, so she just takes them out the locks. So were they on the floor? Because like she doesn't really do much. She takes the key out of her lock, then she goes over to what I thought was grab her shoe. Yeah, she gets a shoe and her and the other two keys. Um, like because it was her. Then it was uh, Beardy Man. Then it was um, uh, Darla. And then she goes up to... She gets him in order. Then she goes up to uh, Clean Cut, pulls it, like, basically snatches it out of his hand, and then goes over to Blondie. And he asks, what are you doing? She's like, being smart. And it doesn't come back later in the way you would think. But, yeah, she has to think. I thought the way this trap was, I thought they had to each go one at a time. Like, I go, then you go, then you, like, work together for it. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But So that's why, I mean, like, I didn't get the details right. But I also... From the beginning, was like it's about T 
teamwork. Every single trap is going to be about teamwork. And it's not about sacrificing one of you. It's about working together. Yeah, because you're going to want to kill each other to get ahead because that's what you guys been doing all your life. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be about that. So that, that part gets spelled out, even though the next room, is, they basically tell you to kill somebody else. Except that, no, I immediately looked at it and went, those things are big enough for more than one person to be in them. No one has to die. You guys are being selfish assholes. <laughs> True. Just the tape says it like, hey, there's only three of these things. Figure it out, guys. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, all the tapes say that. All the tapes it, allude to it being, oh, you're going to kill someone. But Besides the last one. The last one's the only one that doesn't. But the other ones are like, uh uh-huh, murder. We then cut to Hoff. He's calling Strawn's office. He gets the secretary that says that he's not available. He then asks to be connected to Detective Erickson. Uh, Hoff leaves him a voicemail that's saying he needs to discuss something with Strom, but can't seem to track him down if you could please return my call. He then writes Erickson in his notebook like the serial killer that he is. (laughs) (laughs) They must know this name. I think it's just to get some, like, the pictures and stuff later. We cut to Strom. He's at his office trying to be all sneaky and he looks up Hoff's criminal record. There's none. But then finds the information about um, the other jigsaw trap, the one we see in the beginning of the movie with the pendulum mm-hmm. and information about. So this is where I have my beef pit. I don't know why beef to pick is a word, but that it's a new phrase and I'm going with it. <laughs> That's it. We're picking beef now. We're picking beef. <laughs> okay. So he goes to the file room. He goes to pull out all the jigsaw files, but First of all, and this again showed me that he was going to be set up, the file folder is not in the case it should be. It's just sitting on the shelf. So already setting him up. So the first thing in that file folder is this list of victims and the detectives that worked the cases. Case number one is Cecil, and then case number two is Mark. Both of them were were investigated alone by Detective Fisk. So that's why I'm saying he's not just a secretary, he's a full-on detective. He investigated two murders on his own. Maybe he's clean. Maybe he's actually not a dirtbag like the other ones. Yeah, no, he probably is. But the whole thing of, oh, this was the detective that was on it from the beginning. No, Fisk was on it from the beginning. Uh, Case number three is Seth Baxter. And that was investigated by Detective Fisk and Detective Dizzy. Case four is Paul Lee. Lee? I don't know how you pronounce his name. And that's... That's when Detective Hoff comes in. And then the other two detectives are Tap and Sing on that. Why is Fisk off the case? Why is Detective Dizzy not on this case, even though we know she was on that case? Because she's the one who is telling Tap and Sing what happened to Paul. Yeah, in my mind, I thought Dizzy was on it from the beginning. And just like Sing and and Tap were just focused on Gordon the whole time. Just Maybe it was so many victims that it was just they just parsed them out. Like, All right, we're, we're going to be the the Jigsaw Task Force, and all of us are going to just like lighten the load a little bit. Okay, but we did see Detective Dizzy on the scene informing Tap and Sing of the case thus far, and she's not on that case. But she's the one that has the FBI liaison thing, so maybe she's working it with them, but like maybe not taking lead on it. Maybe it's it's um what's his name uh, Fisk uh, lead on it, but she is. But they're listing all the de- detectives that worked on it because there wouldn't be three lead detectives on a case, and they list all three of them for this case. I think that this is a huge plot hole. <laughs> it definitely is a plot hole. I'm just trying to fill it in somehow and I can't think of something. It then lists Adam as a victim. But then it does cut back to it does cut back to uh when Fisk when they pay when they find Baxter saying going to Hoffman like, Oh, we got another jigsaw guy, you ready for this? 
and them going off. Yeah, but like he then was not on the case because of a conflict of interest. But that's what I would guess. Yeah, yeah. but anyways, there's just so many errors on this sheet of paper that it the whole entire thing feels like a plot hole. It on it they say already there was a plot hole before that I didn't mention when they show the picture of Detective Danny as being a like tap him being a victim that like died in the pursuit of jigsaw when did they find his body because they haven't found that basement corridor and the bathroom the police never found that then they also have listed on this sheet of paper adam as the fifth victim but they never found adam's body yeah because we still found him we still saw him a couple movies ago just in that they never found that room exactly so how do they know that adam was a victim well we do know about this so that's we i could actually say since um we find out in the seventh movie dr gordon does get away and does survive he could have felt he could have said hey this guy was in the room with me he's gone whatever body was eaten by mice or whatever uh just and he would have seen tap in the hallway because that's the hallway he left from yeah but why doesn't he lead them back to this hallway he made up the building burned down is all i could think because he does come back but is gordon on the list gordon is on the list it says that detective carrie or sorry dizzy and hoff are the ones that worked his case that's a big that's a bigger plot hole because gordon's alive even though we don't know that yet yeah so he his name is on this list and then it also has as we mentioned, Zepp as a victim, and it's written that his name is Zepp, even though that was not his first name. And I wish I had written down what his first name was based on the movie, but I didn't because I didn't think it was important. Why would you? But everything's important. He does say Baba and also known as Zepp. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, Zepp is his name there, but he wouldn't have been thought of as a victim at the time by the wife and daughter because he was holding them hostage. So yeah, yeah, plot hole. His real name was revealed to be Shepard Hindle. He was just screwed all the way around because that's not really a good nickname either. But No, maybe he was really into Led Zeppelin. He might have been, yeah. But but his lasting his lasting influence is the name of the Sloth theme. So oh, Hello Zepp. Hello Zepp. So hey, so we got something. He got something. But anyways, I had so many plot holes with this one piece of paper and it really frustrated me. To our listeners, just so that you know, the piece of paper is on the screen for maybe a second, second and a half. <laughs> yes, I definitely paused and I went up and I started reading the entire piece of paper. <laughs> I just want to bring that up because it is a plot hole. I'm not going to deny that part of it. But it was also just a second, second and a half. It was, it was there, but it was gone. So they would have, I'm thinking this could have been just a lazy person. Like, we need this paper that's showing all the victims. Just write something out and who's going to really pause this? Jackie from Canada is. Jackie from Canada is going to pause this and then boom. So somebody somebody's getting fired over this. Um, anyways, we then uh, cut to Strom. He's looking through, looking up Seth Baxter on the interwebs and he sees that he was the victim right before uh, Detective Hoffman joined the case. Through the newspaper articles, he sees that he had a case of domestic violence where he raped and brutally murdered his girlfriend. Then he further finds out that this victim was Hoffman's sister. And then he immediately jumps to the conclusion or makes the leap of logic to you copycat him to, to do this. Yeah, like he starts to think that, so he goes to investigate the scene. And as he's leaving the office, Eric Erickson catches him in the hallway. And he lies and says that he just was clearing out his office and take, he's going to take time off to heal. And this was another one where I'm like, this is going to come back to bite you. Why were you back at the office? I'm like, <laughs> He does have a good reason. Hey, I came to get some stuff. Yeah, but what stuff? And I'm, I just like everything that he did, I was like, they're going to use this to set you up. They're going to use this. This is not good at all. We cut to the warehouse where Seth had died. Yeah, which is still there years, years later. Mm-hmm. All, everything's still the exact same. 
this is where, this is where the walking tour of of the saw traps <laughs> begins. He goes, and the room is pretty much exactly the way it was the day the trap went off. Somebody cleaned it up so that the blood wasn't still on the walls and the trap was gone. But everything else is exactly the same. So they never bought the warehouse, sold the warehouse, tore it down. Nothing. It was no one went in there since then, years later. And it's not even dusty. So somebody's been coming in to clean up. Exactly. And while Strom's looking around, he finds a peep- the peephole that we noticed before. We then get a flashback moment of Hoff removing the, a, a jigsaw piece from Seth after watching him die through the people. And then he leaves the warehouse. We cut to the police station. Detective Fisk is saying to Hoff that there's another jigsaw victim. Do you want to come check it out? He brings him to Seth's crime scene. Hoff says that he knows him right away. He's his sister's ex. Fisk goes, this is the guy that murdered your sister. Off says his sentence was 25 years, but it was reduced to five on a technicality. Fisk says, then I say justice was served. Which, you know, something you would say in that situation, especially in this dirty cop precinct. We, uh, we cut back to Strom. He's saying, you killed him. Made it look like a jigsaw trap. I got you. He keeps on doing these scenes where he says the obvious thing out loud. <laughs> out loud to no one. Like whis- whispers it to himself in a empty room. <laughs> With his hoarse voice and his little raspy voice. But I don't know why he goes to some of these other trucks. Because he goes here. And I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit. We'll probably get to it later. He goes to this room. And he goes to the barbed wire room from, from Saw 1. Oh, and the one from the last, from Saw 3, the Jigsaw's Hospital room thing. There. The Jigsaw Hospital room, the room I get. But why go to the barbed wire trap room? He, w- that was the first case that Hoffman worked. Worked on. Oh, was that one? All right. Yeah. Okay. I can forgive it then. This time. You you got me now, Saw writer. But next time. I'm still watching. We then cut back to Beardy, Darla, Clean Cut, and Linda. They're yelling at Clean Cut not to shut the door because it will start the timer. Linda says they need to figure out how they're all connected. Darla says they know that Blondie works for the fire department. Beardy says she was fired a month ago. Clean Cut starts freaking out again. Why the fuck do you know all this shit? With good reason. Yeah, but then we find out that in the movie he knows why he knows all this shit. Anyways, Linda says that she's unmarried. She works for the Department of City Planning, tells Darla that it's her turn, but Beardy interrupts and says, you're not going to tell them about your daddy. And the way that he says daddy sounds exactly like Susan Sarandon trying to be Betty Davis in the uh, feud, <laughs> Bet and Joan, Betty and Joan. Like, it's just like her as baby Jane saying daddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you saying it that way? That's great. Uh, like, I didn't catch the word. Like, the way he says it, he says it on that weird accent, so I didn't catch it until she says, my father, but oh, he must have daddy. All right, got it. Yeah, because he says it in such a weird way. <laughs> I just rewatched Feud, Betty and Joan, and thus I, it was fresh in my mind. Like, that's exactly what this sounds like. Linda says that her dad is Richard Gibbs, the owner of the Cougars. Beardy says that Linda has been using her position to approve her dad building a stadium that he's been trying to build for years. Darla says that she's the senior VP of a real estate development company. Linda says that Darla's company is the Marsvard Group. And she explains that you have to go through her department to get permits. So that's how she knows. Yeah, without her, no permits. Anyway. So at the at the beginning, you're like, all right, this is a weird real estate scam that it the reason they're all here is what you're what i was thinking at this point because i had forgot the details of it yeah that exactly what i was thinking as well and then i'm just trying to figure out how clean cut and priority fell into it which we find out later yeah and then it makes sense why jigsaw would be mad because he's trying to buy all the warehouses (laughs) and they're just burning them down they're getting in the way of me owning all my warehouses i also had a 
theory, but was proven wrong. I thought that the building that they burnt with eight bodies in it was the warehouse that was from Saw 2, because that would have been eight bodies. But nope, it wasn't. So Clean Cut says that he has no wife, no kids, no job. Beardy says, trust fund, baby. Is anybody surprised? And at that point, no, no one is. Yeah, exactly. And then Beardy says that he's an investigative journalist for The Herald, which Clean Cut says is a gossip rag. They then start looking into the trap. This is the second one. This would be um, um, this one. They are in a room with a bunch of glass mason jars dangling from the ceiling, more or less, and bombs on the corners. They're not exactly sure what's going on because mm-hmm. with that, there's no way to know where the trap is. So then tape starts playing. Yeah. Beardy closes the door so that the tape turns on. That's yeah. He's like, oh, we need to close the door because the bomb is about to go off in the other room. Mm-hmm. Close the door. Bomb goes off. And these are strong bombs because like the door shakes. It's pretty good effect. The tape plays. So tape time. Tape time. All right. These walls hold four chambers. These chambers are for safety. However, to access them, a key is needed. But only three of the keys will fit the locks. These keys are in the glass jars hanging from the ceiling. Move quickly, though, because when the clock ticks down, the explosives in the corners of the room will detonate. With only three points of safety, which of you will be the odd man out? Make your choice. There's one minute on the clock. See, this trap, it's eluding a lot more in the other ones that it has to be one person per tube even though they're huge and more than one person fit in them it's clearly obvious that anybody that's in that situation would see that more than one person could fit in one of these mm-hmm. safe spaces the only way they don't see it is because they are so singly minded as into just screwing over everybody to get what they want that's just thought that wouldn't even cross their mind clean cut starts he breaks a couple, a couple of them trying to get the key to this. Then reporter man beats him with a pipe, beats him with like a lead pipe or not a pipe. It's like more like a rod says, nope, somebody has to go and it's going to be you. He pretty much made the choice for him. So yeah, survival of the done. fittest. Yeah. He goes there writhing in pain and then they actually do this one smartly. Just break all of them and sort it out from the, the ground. from the ground, mm-hmm. which totally makes sense. So one guy's break. He's breaking everything up as the as the Blondie and Anchorman girl. They're down there trying to. It's Darla. No, it's Blondie's dead. <laughs> yeah, Darla's. Yeah, Blondie's dead. Yeah, Darla and um Anchorman. They're down there trying to find the keys. Uh, there's a bunch of blanks. Boom. They find one. They find a second one. And as they find the third one, Clean Cut gets it. Beardy Man steps on his hand to pull the key out of it. And at this point, Anchorman girl beats him in the back with the rod, pretty much killing him to, and saving Clean Cut, which made zero sense to me. And they actually. Refer to it like what I was thinking. They say it later. So they each villain gets in, gets in one one of the chambers. Bombs go off. Beardy Man is no longer with us. And they come out. He's going to be in pieces. Yeah, but, I think it was a combination of either she didn't trust him or she knew who he was and knew that he had been investigating her and was just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this guy gotta go. Yeah, because the other girl was like, why'd you do that? He was smart and alluding to the fact that this other guy is pointless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, the most useless one out of the bunch is clean cut. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And But what I would have done in this situation, me being who I am, mm-hmm. I would have seen clean cut on the floor, grabbed him with me, and been like, come on, come into my tunnel with me. They're real deep tunnels. It's not like they're real tiny, so they would have fit. You could have fit maybe, like, yeah, the two girls and clean cut would have probably fit in one. Yeah, if you're paranoid that if you're closer to the door or whatever, you're the one who's going to get killed, then just make sure you're the first one into the tube and <laughs> offer the other person to come. If anything, they're extra protection to you. 
And if they don't want to, that's their own fault. Yeah. They don't even think of it. This is the one they should have seen. They should have at least figured that out. It's not like they didn't look super deep when you look when you're looking at them. Exactly. But Beardy gets stuck outside in the room and the explosion goes off. We then cut to the police station. Strom is pouring over tons of potential jigsaw case files. There's scenes to Seth's, uh, sorry, flashbacks to Seth's scene. And then a flashback to Detective Hoffman and Fisk walking through the hallways. Hoffman's asking how the Seth case is going and asking to be kept posted. Strom is in the present saying, after Seth, you were involved with all the investigations. That's my best Strom voice. Did you like it? (laughs) Not bad. I like it. Not bad. It was, it was, it needed maybe a little bit more rasp, but mm-hmm. it's still not bad. I'll smoke a few cigarettes and try again. <laughs> exactly. Maybe like, a, like a cigar or something, and then that'll do it. <laughs> we get a flashback of Hoffman. Uh, he's opening a file, and then he finds that note from before that says, I know who you are. And what you did last summer. And what you did last summer. Strom saying, When did you first meet Jigsaw? We get another flashback. Hoffman's folding the note and putting it in his pocket. He looks worried. He leaves the office, and then we cut to him entering an apartment building. He checks the mail. There's nothing for him. So I'm waiting for the elevator because the other one is out of order. He's standing at one. And then he hears a woman screaming, stop it! They tried to do a jump scare with somebody. Fun fact about the elevator. Exiting the elevator are our two screenwriters or screenplay writers, Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. Ooh, little cameos. Little cameos. And then after they go out, it reveals Jigsaw's in the elevator. And to this Hoffman says, going up? He goes, he says, yes. Or says something else. Uh, we all are something some, something weird and ominous, more, more, more <laughs> likely than not. And then they all go in, elevator closes, and starts to take the ride up. And this is, must be the hugest building ever. Because they're in this elevator like 20 minutes just going up probably a slow elevator it looked like a dilapidated building but hoff notices that the man hadn't pressed a button and he was in the elevator from before and this leads him to be suspicious so he asks i think he's trying to ask him what floor he was going to yeah he's like which floor he goes looks like we're going to the same one or something and then stabs him in the neck with <laughs> with the needle mm-hmm. with and the, and the happy juice <laughs> the happy juice we then cut to the hoff waking up bound to a chair with a shotgun trap we don't know it's a shotgun just yet i thought it was uh, it was pretty clear that it was a shotgun because they really? yeah they zoom out on it and you see like the full shotgun and this is where um jigsaw starts talking about his I don't like taking credit for things I didn't do, especially all this shoddy work. And he shows him a news article of the guy, of the current jigsaw victim and creative criticism on the trap. listen, by the way, your, the weight was off on the pendulum and the steel is off. You need to use tempered steel if you really want it to last for the long haul. I'm like, all right. And he pulls out an old timey straight razor. This is where he starts his, his recruiting, you know, hey, oh man, I wish I could think of the phrase now. But I Jigsaw's pretty much saying like, I've followed you and I've seen like who you are, what you do. Like, I know that your sister was murdered and she was your only family. He says that he watches him go to bars every single night, get very drunk and then drive himself home. <laughs> Pass out trying to sleep. He just drinks to sleep. But I can give you something that'll let you sleep at night, like a purpose. I'll give you a purpose. Yeah. How to live. And he tells him, You can dispense justice and give people the chance to value their own lives in the same moment. I didn't deserve a chance. He killed my sister. You know, everybody deserves a chance to be better. With my way, you're a cop. I'm Jigsaw, so I also know that most people when they go to jail, they come out in three in three years, they're back in. But with my method, they never go back. They're changed forever. Pretty much join me. Mm-hmm. He pulls the trigger of the shotgun. It's like it doesn't actually shoot off, so we assume it's not loaded. Later, we see there is one shot in that. Yeah, it's one of those uh, shotguns, uh, two triggers. One for one chamber, one for the other one, but he lives. So he cuts him loose and leaves him the straight razor. And then Hoff says, but I could kill you now. He goes, no, you're not going to do that. You're not a killer. That's why you can't sleep right now, because you killed this man. And But I can give you peace. 
and away and follow me. And you have a choice. You can kill me now if you want or take me in and arrest me like it's your duty. But knowing me arresting you, your life is going to change. You're going to throw your life away to arrest me and all this stuff. Like I said, is this blackmail? No, it's not blackmail. But if you arrest me, you are going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to blackmail you. It, it's <laughs> definitely blackmail. He's like, if you, if I get arrested, then I'm going to let them know that I didn't do the Seth case. You did it. But I'm not blackmailing you. No. Just making this clear. <laughs> making this totally clear. It's not blackmail at all. It's a choice you have to make. Like all blackmail. It's always a choice you have to make because you could always not give in. But then something happens that you don't want. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty ridiculous. But we we then cut back to Strom looking at the victim list and the assigned detectives. And then he asks, did you help Jigsaw with all of them? He looks over the Paul file. Paul is the suicidal man that was in the razor wire trap from Saw 1. And then he takes the file and he leaves the office. Erickson sees him leaving the office again. And then goes to check his office. Erickson calls Hoff back and says, you wanted to talk to me about the Jigsaw case. Hoff says that he stopped by Strom's hospital room, but he wasn't there. He's hoping that he's all right. He was theorizing that there was an additional accomplice to Jigsaw other than Amanda, someone who might be currently unknown. Did he mention it to you? And again, it was just so obvious to me that Strom's being set up. (laughs) And did he mention any names by chance? Mine or anything? Like Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Erickson says no, yeah. but I'm new on the case. Uh who's who did he suspect suspect? And he's like someone on the inside. Erickson goes to check the file room and sees that all the jigsaw case files are gone. Which as Strom, why would you do this? Like you think they wouldn't notice them missing? You know somebody's still working on stuff. Yeah. There's these things called photocopiers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. Yeah, you could give that a try. They, they might not notice a file or two or whatever, three missing, because there's a bunch of files. But they will notice when they're all gone. <laughs> Nothing left. But he did leave the little like uh, cases where they, the case files would go in. At this point, just take those two. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have to... And you need to make sure that it's obvious that the files are taken. Because <laughs> all that he left with the thing is, hey, put the saw case files here. Or jigsaw case files go here. It's the only thing that, was, that he left behind. Like, the only thing that he didn't do was write, like, a post note saying, Strom took these, BRB. <laughs> Smiley, winky face. You know, just this way. Just took these for the lulls. See you Monday. You know, something, but no. He took everything. Uh, we then cut to a puddle of beardy. <laughs> not even a puddle, like pieces of beardy. Yeah, there's like a nice little puddle and then pieces of him <laughs> everywhere. Darla says that he was an asshole, but he was smart and useful. Linda says, well, someone had to die. I'd rather. Would you rather it be you? Darla pointedly looks at clean cut instead. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but I know who it could have been. Yeah. Pointless man on the ground right there. Linda grabs the metal pole, and then we cut to Paul's crime scene. And Strom is coming down the stairs. He's looking at it. This is where I note it's been at least over six months, but I think a year at least since this trap was set up and found. Why is it still here? But the trap is still there. The box is still there. The barbed wire is still there. They would have had to cut the barbed wire to get the body out. Mm-hmm. One. But no, it's all it's all still intact. Still there, set up. I'm telling you, they they reset these up. They have this, the Jigsaw walking tour. And this is like you go by, you see where the traps are, take pictures, get some souvenirs. You know, it's got to be because at this point, the only reason the things are still up and intact. We get a flashback to Paul in his car. He's drinking. He smashes the bottle of 
glass and he goes to cut himself with the shards, but then he's hit by a car, like from the back. So he gets out of his car. And Hoffman tries to beat him to death or beat him into submission or something. Yeah, Hoffman and Jigsaw, both there in their pig masks, they both attempt to get the jump on him. This dude is secretly an MMA fighter and it's just going <laughs> at it. The way, I, the way I see it playing out, I see Jigsaw sending Hoffman in with his pig mask just to get him. It, see him failing and then shows up with the needle full of fun. And then that's when they get him. Mm -hmm. And even that takes a little while for it to take effect. Yeah, it goes like back and forth between them because then he like throws Jigsaw onto the car and then Hoffman grabs him again and then Jigsaw has to go with the needle. (laughs) That is a big big dude. It it would take a little bit to get him down. Yeah, that is fair. But, man... It's like, all right, you're gonna learn the hard way. Your first, your first victim is not gonna be an easy one. It's not gonna be little Amanda. It's gonna be this guy that's gonna fight back. We then see uh, Strom finding the people. There's a room behind the people, which is all exciting. Which, which I think they actually refer to in the first one. Yeah, they say that he was behind this people, but we didn't realize that there was like this whole room set up and Strom enters the room and I, I wrote a note. Someone's been still paying the electrical here, and they've kept the lamps. <laughs> The lamps are still on, or there's some very good batteries here, like something. I did think about that, like, why are these lights still on? What's going on? Why is it still working? Yeah. Uh, We get a flashback to, I wrote, Peeping John (laughs) and Hoff. Hoff says that he feels remorse. John says, part cannot be involved emotionally. There can be nothing there. It can never be personal. And Jacob pretty much sticks to that. It isn't personal with him. Other than Cecil. Like I said, that's the first one. He learned his lesson with that one. Like, all right, can't be personal because that's how things go. Like, things get sloppy. It has to be emotionless. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess also if it's through a personal connection, you're going to just tie it right back to you. And there is that, you know, it's just, it just makes a lot more sense that way. You know, it is how Jigsaw figured out that Hoffman was in on it. Yeah, exactly. Sean makes Hoffman look through the peephole to see the difference between killing and rehabilitation. Then at this point, Hoff tips him off that Detective Danny, aka Tap, is getting closer and he's smart. John says that he already knows. I need you to lead him to someone for me, a doctor, a healer who needs some healing. And he hands him the pen light now in like a plastic bag your pen light came back how'd you feel about this i thought you'd be happy to see your pen light showing up again yes and no like i'm still very frustrated because it wouldn't have dr gordon's prints as prominently as john's because he was the last one that held it with a bare hand i know that it's on a plastic bag here but we see him holding it (laughs) in the first movie so i'm still mad they didn't solve that plot hole for me no not solve but at least they referred to it hey look hey look pen light this is why and that was the scene the pen light was on right yeah Exactly. We then cut back to Strom. He says, you provided these police files, didn't you? And it's all the Saw 2 victims in the police file. And speaking to no one, by the way. Still alone or alone? (laughs) Always alone, but always talking. Even with his tracheotomy. Has an inner monologue going full blast all the time. We flash back to Detective Hoffman dragging Obi into the Saw 2 first room, and John is setting up the gun trap. Hoffman asks John if he's assuming that this will play out the way that he wants. John says he assumes nothing. He anticipates the possibilities and lets the game play out. Hoff says, then why do you need Amanda in the game? Good question. John responds that it's to ensure that the rules of rules are followed. She won't make decisions for anyone, just offer choices. 
Hoffman says that leaves a lot to chance as he's loading the gun. And Jigsaw says, if you're good at anticipating the human mind, it leaves nothing to change as he's placing the recorder inside the fireplace. Which is hilarious to me because the first thing is like, nah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't I don't expect it's going to play out. I don't know if it's going to play out the way I want it to. You know, it's just things is going to happen randomly. Then at the end, like, no, I know exactly how everything's going to play out because I anticipate the way people think. So it's going to work the way I want it to. Anyway. I think I took it more as he anticipates all the possibilities and thus he has solutions for anything so that things will go vaguely in his way, if not like perfectly in the way that he would want it, at least it will continue the game. And then I had to go back to Saw 2 to think that, um, did Amanda do more than just offer options? She didn't willingly go into any of the traps herself. She didn't force anyone to do anything. She just kept on reminding people of the rules. The only person that she was saving was Daniel, but that was her purpose. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, the, only thing they, the only time she goes off script really to not and acting is when uh, Frankie G is losing his natural mind just murdering everybody for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he just, which is, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that's something Jigsaw might not have anticipated. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I I don't know if he knew Frankie G. <laughs> Maybe he thought it was going to be up at 11, but now you know what? It's t- it's murdering time. I'm going to have this this bat with the spikes in it, and I'm just going to murder everyone from here on out. Frankie G just needs like his own origin story movie where he was actually a killer a la Michael Myers. <laughs> Maybe that's what Spiral's about. We don't, we don't know yet. <laughs> uh, Spiral could be the Frankie G vehicle. It could be Frankie G, Chris Rock, and Samuel L. Jackson. We can only hope for that movie. <laughs> Oh, no. Frankie G could only hope for that movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> where I had seen nowadays. But anyway. That's exactly why. Like, I'm sure Frankie G wishes that. Can't speak for anybody else. Uh, we cut back to clean cut. He's entering the next room. There's a bathtub full of dark liquid. There's 15 minutes on the clock. Linda and Darla enter. Great. More bombs. <laughs> Darla asks... Bombs in every room. Yeah, bombs in every room. Darla asks Clean Cut what he did to get here. He says, I did something and a bunch of people were killed. I didn't mean to. They're still dead. This is where he starts to tone down from Eleven. And he seems to be the one to me showing remorse or contrition or something. Mm -hmm. I agree. Linda says, shouldn't you have gone to jail? He says, nobody else knows. Darla points to a camera. Somebody does. And she does. And everybody else that was in that room knew. They just didn't know, maybe. I think Darla might have known because it comes out later that she's the one that paid the junkie, not the junkie, the um, dealer to set somebody up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but maybe she didn't know it was him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she, maybe she said, set up somebody. I don't care who. And just didn't know it was this kid exactly. Darla looks pointedly at Linda. Linda says, I didn't kill anyone if that's what you're asking. I think it was more of, what's your story? What are you doing here? Yeah. Well, Linda tells her story. I grant building permits. And yeah, some people might have been more deserving than others. But that's business. If someone tells you different, they're stupid. Clean Cut calls bullshit on her and says that Linda takes bribes and she cheats people. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Asking Darla, like, what does she do? Because clearly she's done something wrong and she's no angel. Darla says, other than being a vampire, that turned Angelus. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Other than that. Other than that. She builds condos in one of the most densely populated cities in the country. You don't put up a new building without tearing down a few old ones. All right. And I was waiting for this. Because in Saw 4, yes, in Saw 4, it wasn't Jigsaw building low-income housing for people? Yes, he was. With all these warehouses? So he would have known this lady mm-hmm. from there? Because I'm assuming he would have needed a permit or two? Yeah, he would have known Linda from that. And then maybe he was somehow in business with Darla? I'm not sure. Yeah. They never allude to it, but it, but it kind of makes sense as to how these people got into his line of sight to 
end up in a trap, considering what Jigsaw was up to before he became Jigsaw. Maybe they were making life difficult for him because he wasn't willing to pay out bribes because he doesn't seem like somebody that would have been doing that. I'm not sure. Clean Cut says that they all suck, and that's why they're there. <laughs> Darla asks if he thinks that there's if that's their only connection. He says no, there's another, but he doesn't care. He closes the door. We have to hear the rules. Then the TV turns on. It's Billy the Puppet. And he says... Tape time! <laughs> Tape time. You must all be eager to learn the next important lesson in your transformation. The game before you is designed to bridge the gap between you all. In order to open the five locks on the door out of this room, the five electrical current uh, circuits powering them must be closed. The only way to do this is to find a way to connect all five cords to the bath water. Close the circuit and the door will open. But you must work quickly, for in three minutes, an electrical current will surge through this room, locking the door forever. Who will bridge the gap? The choice is yours. The timer starts as soon as the tape ends. And this one, they don't allude so much that somebody has to be like the guinea pig on this one. You could have, you could have spread spread out the the shock of it all, but they don't even consider that as an option. Yeah. Well, first, uh, Clean Cut like, jumps right up and he tries to bring the cord straight to the bathtub and then realizes that they don't reach. And that's when they start jumping and Linda's just like, well, you're getting in the tub, Clean Cut. Come on. <laughs> this is the way it goes. Let's yep, go. Come on. It's your, it's your turn. Come on. It's bath time. Let's go. And Clean Cut says, but you're, you're going to kill me too? They argue back and forth and then Linda begins beating him with the metal rod that she brought from the other room. But Darla pulls the one electrode and stabs it into Linda's neck. She dies. And then they throw her in the tub and start connecting rods to her body. And as they do, one by one, this door, the locks start moving or opening up. Mm -hmm. So they're all open and they get out. So they get out of this room rather quickly. Yeah. Well, they only had three minutes anyway, so probably best to work quick, but... We cut to Erickson in his office. Jill has come and she says that she thinks uh, she's being followed. Erickson says that sounds more like a police problem. She says <laughs> she doesn't. I love it. That sounds like it's not my problem. I don't yeah. know why you're here. <laughs> she says she doesn't think that they can help her because it's an FBI agent following her ever since John was first ID'd as Jigsaw. And this is where I go. I fucking knew she was in on this shit. <laughs> She, yeah, she gets the evil look on her face with the smirk on this point, yeah. Yeah, she thinks it's Strom following her. We cut to Strom at the makeshift hospital from Saw 3 and 4. We flash back to John and Hoff in the same room. Hoff is asking, what is going on with Amanda? Uh, didn't you tell me that uh, enlightenment for enlightenment you need the death to not be emotional and detached? Uh, John says that Hoff can have something I mean, Amanda doesn't. It's anonym anonymity. I can't speak. I've given you something Amanda cannot have, which is anonymity. Yeah, that's the greatest protection. That's what I've given you. I need you to set up a game that might, may not be entirely clear to you right now, but I assure you that the people being tested are part of something much larger. They're connected. So in the end, all the pieces will fit together and I will be, it will be clear. And he gives him a file, which was in his, de on Jigsaw's deathbed, pretty much. And Hoffman takes the secret passageway out of the room. 
and then you hear yelling and screaming and that this is where in Saw 3 you see Amanda wheeling in Lynn. Mm-hmm. Did they get Lynn back for this to at least do voiceover from the back or did they just use the... I think they just used the audio from the other movie audio. and then they used like a clip from the other movie of her entering. Yeah. We also... They, they look like a clip. Yeah, but I, I just thought, I don't know if they had just got her in to do some voiceover stuff. Maybe. But we also forgot to mention in the last recap that it was revealed that Hoff was the one who wrote the note for Amanda that she found in the desk that Jigsaw had asked her to go check. When that made her cry. When and that made when, her cry. And then when Hoff goes into the hallway and he opens a file, it's all the people that are in this current trap. I don't think these people are connected to anything else besides each other. So I don't know how it would make sense to the bigger thing that Jigsaw's running, but still. Maybe we'll find that out in Saw 6. We cut back to Strom. He says, we were all supposed to die. Then we cut to a flashback of Detective Donnie shooting Rig. Rig setting off the trap that kills Donnie. Rig killing Art. And Strom killing Jeff. Strom is in the trap. And then we have Hoff telling Fisk that Strom didn't make it. Nobody did. If you look at it that way, yes, they were all supposed to die. But at the time, they weren't all supposed to die because... If um, Rig would have succeeded in his in his game, he wouldn't have been shot. Uh, Matthews wouldn't have been head crushed. And the other guy with him also would have lived. I can't remember his name now. That's but, assuming um, that the release button worked. I'm assuming it does. It is or it would have because I'm, I'm going to hold on. Hold that this is that because that one still has the feel of a jigsaw trap mm. or a jigsaw game at the end. We can only hope, but we don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah. That still looked like a jigsaw setup thing because it was still, you know, the moral quandary part of it all. Mm-hmm. It's like this one. Like this one, they all would have gotten out if they would have worked together. Yeah. But we cut back to Strom. He says, you were supposed to be the hero. And I wrote, but you're a zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Flashback to Hoffman carrying uh, Jeff and Lynn's daughter out of the warehouse. Cut back to Strom hulking out uh, in the hospital w- room and tossing over the bed. <laughs> yes. This one at least has make a little bit more sense why it would still be put together because I'm going to assume this, it has been a week or so since yeah. this would have gone down. Not the years since the last one. Agreed. But anyways, he's hulking out. He's throwing things. Then we cut to Erickson. He's leaving his office. It's late at night. Thanks to Jill being there so late. Hoffman is in a car watching. He pulls out Strom's cell phone from the evidence bag and calls Erickson, then hangs up. Erickson calls back. Hoff turns off the phone. Erickson calls in a trace um, on Strom's uh, Strom cell phone. Yeah. And now, as a person that has a cell phone today and at the time, how long is Strom going to be with Sans cell phone? Yeah, that, I, that he doesn't notice that he doesn't have a cell phone. But also, I had the question of, don't we have a evidence log somewhere that says that his phone was admitted into evidence? Remember... All the evidence went missing. Strom took it. True. Okay. Yeah, Strom. So, so it would have been like, yeah, we did, but Strom had a phone. Okay. Or fair point. Like a normal, or like a normal person would have thought, maybe Strom wouldn't have kept his phone active while it was in evidence, and just you know got a new sim, a new cell phone, a new sim number, a new something. To, so the phone in evidence isn't still active and able to make calls. You would think, but no. You would think that's that's the whole I, I was trying. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. It's been a couple days. Uh, I know cell phones weren't as important in 2009 or whatever it is as they are today. Like they're still using the flip phones. Mm-hmm. So whatever. You couldn't get on Instagram or, or check his snaps or something or be on TikTok. But um, still would have needed to make a phone call here and there, I would have guessed. Text message somebody on the old school T9. And um, Oh, T9. <laughs> So to still have a working cell phone, the amount of time he's roaming around the city on his um, saw trap tour. Um, 
it made no sense to me how that phone would still be active. Yeah, it didn't make much sense to me either. But anyways, there's no uh, signal found through the tech person at first. We then cut because he turned it off. We then cut to Hoffman entering his little shop of horrors. He checks the monitors. He turns back on Strom's phone and puts it on the desk. Looks over at the Charlie Day boards (laughs) of randomness. All the stuff. Yeah, with all the Vix info on it. Then back to the monitor and walks out. We then cut to Darla and Clean Cut in the next room. Explain this trap, Jeff. (laughs) They do a poor job of explaining this trap. Very poor job. Mm -hmm. And this is the first trap that explicitly shows that there should have been more people here Mm -hmm. by now than there currently are. You walk into the room, you see um, a glass box. uh, Well, plexiglass with with metal frame box. And inside there are holes in the box. Why enough for you to stick an arm in? Pick three, um, and wait, okay, mm-hmm. I didn't notice the bottom cage box had plexiglass around it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like ah. the top of the cage. It, yeah, the only plexiglass. Right, so there's no other way into the box because um, they say and Darla's on it right right away. She said, "Well, what the deal is." Um, we need to put our hands in and give up blood in order to get out of this room. So she gets it right away. But before the tape even confirms what she says, he goes, no, nah, we don't need to get blood. We can just go to the other room, get the water out of the bathtub and put it in the thing. It will be good to go. And it was all closed. So it was no way in. Like the, the, She said, no, look, it's all, it's all closed. There's no way in. The only way to get it in is by our hands, uh, putting into these holes. So in, when you put your hand in, this is a very sloppy way, I guess, to get blood out of you, even though I don't know if there was a non-sloppy way, considering who built these things. Picture putting your hand in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. My immediate question was, why doesn't he just pee in it? Maybe they didn't have to go. I don't know. I get, uh, it'd be hard for you to position yourself to be able to pee, because you have to pee in the hole and have to go to there or something. You don't get too many close-up as to how the box is exactly constructed. It's one of the ones they don't actually show too well. For, from what I can figure, there's a bus saw or yeah, like a little bus, a little um, circular saw. That's the word I'm looking for. There's a circular sign that you, you make a V with your hands for saw five and you put it in <laughs> and, then it would, um, and it starts to cut you basically on your hand. When you open, blood will spew out down and gets collected into a jar. And you, they need to get a total of 10 pints of blood in order for the door to open before the bombs obviously go off. And this is where uh, the light bulb go- lights up in Dollar's head right now. Like, wait, why are there so many holes here? There's supposed to be more of here. We were supposed to work together the whole time. Yeah, she really puts it together because of the keys. Ah, yes. They, she does mention the holes thing, but then they, they go by then. Clinka tells her, oh yeah, go to the door. You still got the keys? Yes. Go to the door, check if they work. They're not even the same kind of locks. Then she goes to try them. They're all, of course, it's different, but when she looks down at the key, she realizes they're all the same. They're, all, they're copies of the same key. So then it hits her that um, all they had to do in the original room was get one key somehow and then pass the key along and everybody would have been out just fine. If one key was good enough. They need all five keys for five people but they were selfish um so then she, they go back into the previous room where um anchorman is there dead in the tub and she starts expounding man in the second room those tools were big enough for more than one person we didn't somebody didn't have to die here and if it were five of us here we could have all just taken a little bit of a shock to get the door and spread out instead of one person taking it all and having to kill him and then here we just all give up a little bit of blood and get out or we two of us will give a whole lot and maybe not make it and they all and they considering what happened i mean considering how they all got there they actually worked together to get out of the last room yeah which i actually because they did kind of a poor job of showing darla's hand going through it i 
I for a little bit thought that she was acting and pretending that she was doing it and just getting him to drain himself completely. And then they finally did a cut that showed like some blood on her side too. And I was like, oh, okay, she is actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. she's not just like, all right, me too. Let's go. Um, yeah, you first. All right, I'm going in there. And they made it sound like once you put your hand in there, it gets trapped in there uh, pretty much until the door is open, right? Or enough blood is. So they work together painfully and painfully. You see the drill. Oh, uh, not the drill. You see the circular saw going up the hand, cutting up the wrist, uh, up the forearm of poor clean cut. And but they do get enough blood for it, and the door opens, and then they collapse um, in front of, next to the box. And Darla just keep on repeating, "We won, we won." And mm-hmm. but before they did all of this, clean cut admitted to her that the whole entire plot. So he says that. He knew Beardy's name was Charles because he knew that he was writing an article about what he did. He admits that his drug dealer gave him an ounce of heroin to burn down an abandoned building, but it wasn't abandoned. There were eight people inside. They all died, and then the feds got involved. And then his dad got involved and made a deal, and he got off. The guy who hired him disappeared, and nothing ever happened to him. We then cut to Strom, and he's entering a, a building, and it's a house that's been renovated. Oh, sorry. he We forgot the part where in between they cut to uh, him seeing Hoff leaving the station, and then he follows Hoff to a warehouse yep. then they enter he enters after Hoff into this warehouse and when he enters it looks like a refurbished home and based on the layout I immediately knew this is the house from Saw 2 oh wow nice I didn't catch that I didn't catch it it was the the door under the stairs that first tipped me off and then he goes into the hallway with and I was like nope this is the same hallway from Saw 2 it just looks nicer then he goes into the room there's a trap door on the floor and I'm like this is Saw 2 <laughs> So the only thing that was renovated was a Saw 2 house and all the other traps stayed intact since from when they went off? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So Strom goes down these steps. We get a cutback and Darla says that that's how Beardy knew me, that she, w- no, sorry, that's how she knew me. That's how Linda knew her because of the fire. That's what connects us. The fire inspector wrote a bogus accident report. The city planner who pushed through the residential permits, the journalist that buried the investigative story, the rich junkie who was the patsy, and the real estate developer who gets it all in, who put it all in motion. And this is where I was reminded of The Breakfast Club and the final essay. And I wrote my own essay that they had written to Jigsaw. Here we go. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Dear Mr. Jigsaw, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday and our lives for whatever we did wrong, but we think you're crazy for putting us through this. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest of terms, in the most convenient definitions, but what we found out is that each of us is a junkie, a corrupt government worker, a criminal real estate broker, a shitty reporter, and an untrustworthy fire inspector. Sincerely, the Saw 5 Club. (laughs) Saw 5 Club. I like that. That's that's... Perfect. Clean cut it says that uh, the people's families care because Darley says nobody cared, and uh, CC says clean cut says that uh, the people's families. It was eight people, yeah. Care. Yeah, eight people that somebody cared. Yeah, the feds cared because of his burnt arm. Arm, he cares. <laughs> Point taken. But that's then, like, they amp each other up and then they step up to the machine and that's where all of that happens. Meanwhile, Erickson pulls up to the little shop of horrors because they've traced Strom's cell phone there. He And then there's a whole bunch of cuts back and forth between both him and Strom investi- like, investigating the various buildings that they're in. They're two different buildings. Just like usual at the end of these movies, like, no, nah, it's all nah, it's going to allude back to Strom being the setup man being set up like oh everything Strom did throughout the movie you know oh he, I saw 
saw him late at night. Oh, Jill said she was being followed. She was fo- he was following her. Oh, um, Hoffman called me over the X, Y, and Z. So it just all comes together in Erickson's mind, even though it was all set up. Yeah, and uh, meanwhile, Strom finds a glass, co- like the glass coffin from Saw Four that we saw Jigsaw have in a room. It's standing up vertically. Then there's a tape player inside. Yes, and then it says tape time. Tape time. <laughs> Hello, Agent Strom. If you're hearing this, then you have once again found what you're looking for, or so you think. Your dedication is to be commended, but I ask you if you have learned anything on your journey of discovery. As the old adage goes, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. The situation you find yourself in is one of trust. So I ask you, Special Agent Strong, have you learned to trust me? Meanwhile, Hoff is sneaking up behind him through the hallways. The tape continues. The only way to survive this room is by entering the glass box before you. Pain will be incurred, but you have you have a chance of survival. Strom hears Hoff and turns off the tape player and turns around to see him, I guess. But then we cut quickly to Erickson. He's still searching through the workshop, etc., and and this is where he sees Darla, I think. Just about like this is all yeah. also intercut with them sawing their hands at this point. But we yeah. we've already described that whole thing. The only thing I didn't say was fun fact: they used real animal blood for this scene, and apparently it smelled horrible. <laughs> you beat me too. I'm like, oh, they used real animal blood. That had to have stunk to high heaven because that's. Ugh. I don't know why they decided to do that, but they did. Because they didn't know it was going to stink that bad, I guarantee you. Did they not hear about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one? <laughs> People were, like, having to open the windows and vomiting out the windows in between takes. I'm guessing, no. Texas Chainsaw at least makes sense because they had no money for it. But this is just, like, they had a budget by now. Yeah, I don't know. They're using it much, but they have it. It's there. It's all on the font. So Erickson's at the Little Shop of Horrors, and then he sees all the monitors. And then he uh, looks at the monitors, sees that there's victims. He sees that there's a hot coffee still sitting beside them looks at all the charlie day walls sees that there's all the victims on the wall meanwhile hoff is with his gun he heads into the glass coffin room but strom's not there Hoff then bends over to pick up the tape recorder and then sees Strom sneaking up on him in the reflection of the glass coffin he turns knocks the gun out of his hand and punches strom they fight and then eventually strom throws him into the coffin and he says that he got him. You motherfucker. <laughs> uh, jokes on you, Strom, is what I say. That, clearly, this is what he wanted. Erickson then, uh, he sees uh, Clean Cut laying bloody through a door. And that's when he sees Darla on the other side of the desk. She has a hook in her hand. He tells her to drop it. She does, and she collapses. She's saying, he's asking who did this. She's saying, we won. We worked together. We won. See, and th- that's the second. I know what you did last summer connection. The hook. <laughs> the notes. Now we have the hook. I'm sure if I look again, I'll find a rain slicker somewhere in this movie. Then when we finally get to the I Know series, we're going to find out that Darla's the killer in the I'll Always Know What You Did Last I'll Summer. I'll Always Know, yes. It was, it was Darla the whole time. <laughs> Not with, my, with our luck, it'll be Pink Shirt. Oh, no. <laughs> Good old Pink Shirt. Like, Pink Shirt? What? You're back. Erickson calls the EMTs. The door locks behind Strom, meanwhile. Erickson then finds the FBI files on the latest victims. He calls Strom's phone. It rings behind him. Then he assumes that it's Strom doing all of these things. He finds a file on himself, Erickson. Then back to Hoff and Strom. Strom's asking Hoff how to get out of the door. Hoff points down to the tape recorder. Uh, Strom presses play. And the rest of the tape says, however. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case. You know. However, if you choose not to, you will never be heard from again. Your body will never be found. You will simply vanish. Gears start turning. 
as the tape continues. I ask you, Special Agent Strom, have you learned enough to trust me? The coffin begins to lower. He continues, will you heed my warning? For if you don't, this room will forever be your tomb, and my legacy will become yours. There's a flashback, and it's Jigsaw saying, if, you, if you're if you good at anticipa- anticipating the human mind, it leaves nothing to chance, and all the flashbacks showing how they set up Strom. The walls start moving in and in the coffin room. Meanwhile, Erickson calls for an APB on Strom. Strom's trying to open the coffin. He's shooting at it, but it's bulletproof. The coffin sinks into the ground, and Strom is crushed to death by the walls. Real, real ugly, because you see Strom doing his very best to not be crushed, standing up against it. You see the one part where it's like his for- his forearm collapses. You see mm-hmm. the bone come out and see Hoffman just laughing or smiling as he gets lowered out of the room and everything closing. The blood falling on top of the glass of the, the plexi of the of the coffin. Also, funny thing, not funny thing, interesting to add to it on this one. This is the only the oh, the only tape so far which is narrated by clearly by Hoffman. It's not Jigsaw on on, the, on this last tape. Yeah. And also this is the first movie that the line game over is not uttered. Yeah, they didn't say it here at all. And then boom, credits. Movie's over. Directed by new guy. Directed by new guy. Jackie, now that you're five movies in, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? What am, are we going to say what we would fix? Is that our first um, one? Or just- oh, no, I wanted to go like just general general, general ideas on the movie, then what, how we would make this one a little bit better. Okay. General ideas on this movie. I found everything mm-hmm. too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so I was it, it just felt like I was waiting for things to happen and I think I said that in the last movie as well that I knew what the solution to the trap was based on the wording of the first clue it was so obvious to me that I was just sitting there waiting to see if they did the right thing or not and they didn't <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, you, and the last thing you said, you knew what Rick had to do. Whether or not he was going to do it was the question, and he didn't. And in this movie, in this movie, they kind of do spell it out a little bit clearer than the Rig one, even though Rig was pretty damn clear. Mm-hmm. And this one was like, work as a team. And as a team, you guys will get out of this. Five will become one as a team, mm-hmm. and you guys will be safe. Don't follow your nature. And just they, of course, don't because they can't get past themselves enough to make it there. And I think maybe Dollar survived. Yeah, I think that she survived. It looked like Clinton didn't make it. No, he sliced like right down to the elbow, yeah, and like she he... didn't look like she sliced her arm that badly. No, he went. He went all. He went all in on the, on the slicer. And mm-hmm. Where we are now, me like I like we said a little bit earlier. This movie is a lot better watching the fourth one recently. Rating these movies become more and more difficult as we're at, in this part in this part of the, the franchise, just because they're so interwoven as to one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where I am now on it, it's it showed clear. Plot holes are starting to show up a little bit more. You, the absence of Lee Wanell is um, more obvious now than yeah. There's no more witty lines. It's sad. Because on the last one, it was still he was gone, but it, but looks like he might have left notes as to where it could go, maybe. And I'm guessing he might have because a lot of the dangling threads in the last one showed up, and when I, I mean from the third one show up in the last one, and then things kind of go off the rails. Like, all right, Jigsaw's dead. We need to have somebody setting things up. Hoffman, you're up. Yeah, well, uh, based on my research, I found out that what happened was when they hired these two people as the screenwriters, they came and they pitched their idea for like a three movie arc or whatever it was right away to the producers and the producers had in their hands the Saw Bible and they were like, we we were going to give this to you before you plan things. But yeah, do that. That sounds good. So I blame the producers on this one because the writers are going to pitch what they're going to pitch. And I'm sure if they said, all right, I like those, but work that into this framework mm-hmm. of the Bible we already have. 
They would have. Yeah, but no, they just but no. let them do what they wanted to do. So what I would fix about this movie without knowing what happens in the rest of the franchise is make the clues less obvious like so that I don't know what's happening right from the first 15 minutes. The whole entire paperwork debacle of there being major plot holes on that one piece of paper. I, I get it if it's just the art department putting something together, but somebody should fact check that because... <laughs> It just didn't make sense. But anyways, right. let's let's see. What would we rate this movie, Jeff? All right. Last time, I think I went all the way down to five. Was it? Did I go down to five or six? Let me find our scores. Give yeah. me a yeah, second. Last time, yeah, you were down to five. Okay. This one, I like this one. I'll go up from five. It wasn't as problematic as, as 4. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the problematic triggering things that 4 did. That really caused me to take it down an extra point. Because it probably would have ended up... If it didn't have the things, that, it probably would have ended up at 6 for me. But that's what made it just drop a little bit. Uh, another point for me. This one feels a little bit more of a movie, even though it doesn't stand on its own. But it stands on its own way better than Saw 4 did. So I think I might go... Um, which In my mind, we're not... We're ticking up. We're going, I'll go back up to 6. You know, so we're on an upswing on my, on my end. Can't go all the way again. Yeah. I, I can't put it on the on the Saw Four level just because it's nowhere near as offensive as Saw Four was. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And this is the first time our scores are the same. I would also give it a six, but that does bring our score for Saw down to fifty seven point five percent. Oh no, we're under sixty percent. They could they they could bring it back. I'm hoping they have three more movies still. So it's still, I still I have my hopes up for Saw Seven when Doctor Gordon comes back because as I yeah. said. I've had questions for 17 years and I need them answered. <laughs> and I remember me, our subject saw in the movie theater and I remember liking it, but I've never seen it since. Okay. But time has gone by. Who knows? At this, uh, things are still like that now, but I liked it then. And, and then again, I was just watching in the movie theater, nostalgia clouding my vision and just joy and happiness over so many years without Saw and me having it again. Could have been the reason I liked it also. Yeah, that was me with Scream 4 the first time that I saw it. I really liked it because it wasn't utter trash and I was just so happy Scream was back. But it's no, Scream 3 is my least favorite of the Screams, but Scream 4 is kind of just under it. I liked Scream 4 a lot when I watched it. Again, I've only mm-hmm. seen it in the theater. When I only saw it, I've never seen it again. But I remember me really liking it a lot for them keeping it true to Scream, mm-hmm. but still changing it enough to fit the horror tropes of that were current at that moment in time. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it when I saw it in theaters. Then I saw it many times since because I think like almost once a year, maybe once every two years, I go through all the Scream movies and just watch them all because it's my favorite franchise. All right. All right. But- so on your next watch through, that might be the movies we're doing. Who knows? Maybe. But might be. What are we watching next week? Next week, we're going to be watching Puppet Master. No, wait. Hold <laughs> on. It is Saw 6. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously the sixth movie in the franchise. Three more movies. Three more movies to go. Six, seven, and eight. And then more, more likely not, a, a bonus episode whenever Spiral decides to be released. Yes, for sure. We'll have to review that when it gets released. Whenever. Who knows with the 2021. <laughs> whenever. However. Supposed to be in May, I think. But who knows. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram or join our Facebook group at Series of Horrors Podcast. And you can email us your feedback, movie suggestions, recipes. I like to cook. <laughs> um, anything you might want. just hey, Or just to say hi. Or, or just, you know, whatever you like to let us know. I'll be more than happy to read it. And that would be at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com. Yeah. And thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week. 
yeah see you later guys next week so safe yeah bye, bye.